This episode of Hitting Play is brought to you by The Future. The Future. It's now. And 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 now. Best way to start your day is by Hello and welcome to Hitting Play, the podcast where we review, analyze, and discuss shows, movies, and other curiosities. I am Great Scott. Joining me is everyone's favorite Bojo, Sean. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And what would a time travel story be without someone technically in the future? So joining us once again from the great city of Melbourne is Hamish. Welcome back. Whoa, this is heavy. <laughs> uh, what's so heavy in the future? Yeah, what's, um, what's going on? Yeah, Just, you know, life. You know, emotional life. It's it's so heavy. I mean, I mean we've all... Oh, we've, I thought talking about... Oh, weight of things? No, no, no. It, it's in the future. We're no, all about yeah. emotions and about ourselves. It's it's the future. We don't care about objects. It's about ourselves, possibly. Oh, and Netflix. It's all about Netflix and self. <laughs> Very true. Mm. Man, you can't hold a Netflix. Mm. I'm sure you can. It's for everybody. <laughs> Netflix is for everybody. It brings people together. Yes, by forcing us in our private cubicles to watch things on our own time. Yeah, secretly, in public, with friends, and then we kind of just forget that we need vitamin D for our bodies <laughs> and go, oh man, I wish I was outside, but i got to watch another series of House of Cards. <laughs> There's pills for vitamin D, come on. <laughs> oh, the, this really is the future. Everything's in pill form. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> All right, well, as you probably have gleaned, very special hitting play this week. Yes, th this week in honor of the day that Marty McFly goes to the future, which is Wednesday, October 21st, 2015, we looked at every little detail of the 2015 scenes of Back to the Future Part 2 just to see how accurately the movie predicted the world we now live in. It's almost 100% spot on. <laughs> uh, it, it's so uh, real. I look outside and it's everything in the movie. I just it's like watching the movie outside. It's it's amazing. It is great. I mean, you know, traffic coming yeah. in today was pretty easy. I mean, that flying car I have, so good. Yeah, it's right. So good. <laughs> I mean, you know, that movie is amazing. Hold on a second. My twenty-seven fax machines. In my house just went off. Oh so I gotta, boy, I gotta check those. Kids, go around and tear those notices off before that, your mother sees. Instead of just reviewing the movie as a whole or the whole trilogy, we are specifically looking at those future scenes. Now, now, Sean, do you want to just kind of give us a recap of what brings us to the future? Well, just in case you've been living in a cave for the past 30 years <laughs> or been in a coma or some other kind of uh, disabling mental event, Back to the Future, of course, is a story of uh, young Marty McFly, who was accidentally sent back to 1955 where he almost courted his mother, let's put it that way, and was able to find help through the man who invented the time machine, the DeLorean, and he went back to 1985 at the end of the first movie. Very quick synopsis of that. Now, where we left off at the end of the first movie, um, which amazingly, at the end of the first theatrical run of Back to the Future, there was no to-be-continued, so it kind of left you hanging. Mm-hmm. But we see that the next morning after Marty comes back, he thinks everything's a dream. But his life has been changed as his family situation is considerably better. And they employ the neighborhood rapist as their car waxer. <laughs> um, a so alleged, attempted. Attempted. Uh, okay. Alleged neighborhood rapist. Mm -hmm. They're in friendly terms with um, <laughs> as their car detailing professional. 
And Doc comes back after Marty meets with his girlfriends, um, and basically is in a updated version of the time machine, and says they have to go to the future because there's something wrong with Marty's and Jennifer's kids. And we see the DeLorean in the, the first movie back up and get ready to go out. Uh, Marty states that there's not enough room to get up to 88 miles per hour, not enough road, and Doc says the famous line, Roads... Where we're going, we don't need roads. And the car takes off um, vertically and goes into the future, presumably. And that's basically where we, we pick up Back to the Future 2. With a different actress playing Jennifer, who is... What are you talking about? That's the um, same person. <laughs> we, that's, 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 that's crazy. I mean, it's like, you know, Batman Begins and The Dark Knight. Same woman. Yes, I was just I thinking mean, that, yeah. Come on. <laughs> Bruce Wayne was in love with the same woman. Even though she looks different, same woman. <laughs> Well, you know, it's it's really amazes me this talking about, you know, the beginning very beginning of Back to the Future Two. Mm. When they redo this scene, obviously, with the new actress played Jennifer, and they they did a pretty good job of recreating it, I would say. Which is Elizabeth Shue, um, we should mention. Yes, exactly. It was Shue. Even as a uh, you know, eleven year old when I first saw this, uh, eleven, twelve year old, I was very disturbed and embarrassed by her acting skills when <laughs> Um, not that there's too much of it in Back to the Future 2, but she's unconscious for a good part of the, the film. Especially, we'll talk about in a few minutes, when they're in the DeLorean flying through into the, the temporal vortex into, into 2015. It's it's very embarrassing to listen to her uh, act. But <laughs> the, the recreation of the scene was, was quite good, if you compare the original and the, the new version of it. I mean, spot on with the you know, excellent acting of Michael J. Fox and Christopher Lloyd did a great job. But um, they've had practice with it before. Remember, they had Eric Stoltz originally in the first one, and then they had yeah, to redo they everything <laughs> again. And if you look at the old footage, they mismatch it up. It looks exactly the same, except with uh, Michael J. Fox instead of Eric Stoltz. So they've had practice at it. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So if... that's that's a yeah that's a that's a really funny um, thing you brought up, Hamish. Mm. Um, how the whole pretty much a good part of the movie was filmed with Eric Stoltz. Mm. And, uh, I mean, they were committed to this film. They decided that he wasn't... I can't believe that they, they got away with uh, replacing him, to be honest with you. Um, usually a movie company would say, you know, you don't want to change the actor, you know, this far into the film. Are you nuts? But they uh, they want Michael J. Fox, and they, they got him. Yeah. Very strange. But I think their, their rationale for it was that he was too dark. Like, Eric Soltz was playing it a little bit too intensely. Uh, and some yeah. of the behind-the-scenes stuff was like he was actually wanted to be called Marty on set rather than Eric. And so he was playing <laughs> the character in his very, I guess, a, a traditional sense of getting deep into the character. And it kind of, what I've heard, freaked a couple of people out and he was too intense about it. And so it wasn't as fun and exciting as it should have been. So they went, yeah, we'll just wait until we can get you know the guy that we want and we'll just keep running Eric Stoltz until we're done and then just yeah. push him to one side and um, uh, get uh, Michael J. Fox. But even for Michael J. Fox, doing this movie was like a, a real pain from what I remember because he was like yeah. doing two jobs at the same time, you know, doing the TV job and doing um, a Family Tides and doing uh, Back to the Future. And so he would finish an, a, a day's work with Family Tides and he would go all the way onto set and was it sleep in the back of a car? Like, they put a yeah, mattress in yeah. the back of a car, and he'd sleep in it from set to set, and he was always tired. It was a, a huge nightmare, what I've read. Um, mm. 
but and that's the reason he declined the role originally. He was offered it first, I believe, and mm-hmm. he uh, he was the first choice, and he just said, "I I can't do that. I can't you know film all day and then film basically all night, um, and on weekends and and everything." So, but uh, they convinced him, and you know, thankfully yes. for they did because I, I mean, Back to the Future, the trilogy. I don't know about you guys, but it's my all-time favorite movie trilogy. Probably my favorite movie of all time is Back to the Future and Back to the Future 2. But I love all three movies. And it's hard to say that about any trilogies or any sequels to movies. And usually the first one is is excellent. The second one, eh, it's, it's maybe okay or sometimes it surpasses the first one. But these are just, they flow so well. And I, I just love the Back to the Future movies. And thankfully, Bob Gale... Um, one of the creators said recently, I think, or a couple of years ago, maybe that, you know, someone brought up the fact about recreating back to the future, doing a remake of it. And he said that as long as he's alive and has control over it, it will never happen. I think Zemeckis said the movie. same thing as well. Yeah. Yeah. Zemeckis yeah. was asked like, Oh, if you want to, would you, if would you allow people to remake it? And he said like, uh, over my dead body. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Cause it, it's, mm. it's one of those films you don't do that too. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's pretty hard to remake something like that. I mean, I can see there is ways to do it, but unfortunately, if you just keep remaking the same thing again and again, you won't have the kind of imagination you had in the second film, where the second film pitched this whole idea of the future being clean and amazing and different, and we have all this new technology. And a lot of people today took those ideas and forcibly created it. And then there's a lot of stuff which hasn't been made because a lot of people have been you know, resting on their laurels, or it's just impossible to make that kind of equipment. Like the hoverboard, we're getting there, but not, not in the same way as the the movie has, right? Uh, and yeah. so remaking something like Back to the Future, um, I can again I can see it happening like in a way, but it won't be uh, as widely accepted, and there'll be a lot of challenges. I'm not sure you'd want something like that unless it's going to pitch a new idea, a new interpretation of it. Uh, it's not going to be the same flavor, not have the same fun like the original one had. You know, it's like yeah, um, yeah. Recently, the new Ghostbusters movie that's being remade. Uh, I'm personally on the fence about it, just because we've already got a Ghostbusters. It was a good film, and this remake feels like it's the stock standard uh, Hollywood remake book kind of stuff, where it's like, oh, what do we do? Take male characters, make them female. Okay. Then what do we do? Oh, we'll make the outfits look more realistic. You know, in inverted mm-hmm. commas, realistic. I mean, hypercolor. Was it? They got like the some sort of hypercolor banding or whatever on the outfits. And the thing is, it it's that movie's going to face a lot of challenges because everyone loves the original films and I'm sure this piece will be a, a great remake, but it might it might suffer a little bit. And that's the thing, I'm, I'm looking at that Ghostbusters remake as if someone did remake something like Back to the Futures, what, what, what's, what's kind of a reaction people are going to get and what's going to face? Because you, know, you have this iconic piece of uh, 80s culture and you're going to remake it for now. You know? So you either make it for the money or you make it because you have a different idea. So... It's going to be hard. I mean, I can understand how Back to the Future has inspired a lot of other people and inspired a lot of other uh, ideologies about what the future should look like. And also time travel, you know, the theory of time travel, because that entire movie is a basic kind of uh, the 101 of time travel. And it's great. Yeah. You know, anyone who watches that, you can look at the cause, the effect, the idea of chaos theory, uh, and the idea of uh, altering your future. And it's a great piece of work. Yeah, I, I would prefer, if they're going to do anything, a sequel than a total remake of the original films, or the original film, I should say. Well, kind of um, they did with um, the video game. True. 
Mm, it was in the, in the animated series. I mean, uh, I guess you could say that's kind of <laughs> continuation of the uh, I guess. true. Yeah. I guess true in some way. In in the same way, um, I think um, Bill and Ted had their animated series as well, where it was in like the same. Yeah, yeah it was like it was like part <laughs> educational show, part continuation of the movies. But you you are correct. The Telltale uh, video game that came out, which is excellent. Mm. All their stuff is is excellent, but. The Back to the Future game they came out with is a direct sequel, I would say, to what happened after Back to the Future 3. Yeah. Um, and it gives you some very, um, very possibility, uh, possible ideas, which is good. I mean, obviously, it's not really canon, and Bob Gale was uh, part of the process of them creating that. And it was a good piece of work. I mean, it's a fun kind of, you know, uh, extension on what you liked about the whole series, and also gives you a little bit of insight into some of the characters like was it uh, Doc Brown when he's a kid and becoming an actual scientist. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It, it's a fun it's a fun piece, you know. It never took itself too seriously. That's true. All right, so we should probably get right into these scenes cuz there's a lot to break down here. Yes. And uh, just for the sake of the the time capsule that we are about to create, we should say that we are currently recording on Sunday, October 18th, 2015. Uh, for Hamish, it is of course uh, Monday, October 19th, 2015, and we are hopefully posting this episode on the day that Marty went to the future, which is Wednesday, October 21st, 2015. Yes. So the, the 2015 scenes begin, as Sean just left off in his recap, uh, with the flying DeLorean encountering head-on traffic in the Skyway over Hill Valley. Uh, the DeLorean has been hover-converted, and it features these tilting wheels and a barcode license plate. So they're, they're, right away, there's two predictions that they are making. One is a Skyway, and the other is a barcoded license plate. Yeah, um, the barcode license plate obviously is cool. Um, if you look at a close-up of the prop, it had the actual numbers under the barcode itself. So yeah. it wasn't like it was just a barcode, but impractical. Um, yeah, too hard to read. Too hard to mm. read. So basically, if there was a 911 call or someone had to <laughs> identify a vehicle... It would be kind of hard to do that. I did read one source that said that maybe the barcode wouldn't be impractical in a more dystopian um, Hill Valley because there's no attorneys, which we'll talk about in a few minutes. Mm -hmm. No, the law system, the justice system is a little bit more lax or, or less lax, I guess you could say. So maybe there is more barcode readers, just like in modern day cities with cameras around mm -hmm. that could... So there would be no issue, no problem or no um, situation where this a car wouldn't be identified wherever it went uh, or the barcode couldn't be read. That's the only way I could see it being feasible. But, I mean, it was a cool a cool prop and, a, you know, a nice little nod to future technology, I guess, with barcode scanning. 911, what's your emergency? Yeah, I was just hit by a car. It just drove off. Did you get a look at the plate? Yeah, uh, one thick bar. One thin bar, another thin bar, uh, kind of like a space, and then like another thick bar, and like a couple of thin bars, and like a medium-sized bar at the end. Yeah, very impractical. I can imagine yeah. someone typing that in and going, uh, what we got there is a grapefruit. You got a grapefruit? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, it could be a QR code, which could be definitely more difficult to read. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Strangely so, enough, so thankfully, that actually is pretty close, isn't it? Um, with yeah, the barcodes yeah, yeah. in the back of the cars and the QR codes. Yeah. That, I mean, that is true. That is one feasible. Yeah, we technically kind of use that technology today. So I'm guessing with um, the Back to the Future kind of idea was that they scan uh, the back of the car or just 
Yeah, I mean, if you're a police officer and you're near the car, you can scan it. Obviously, if you get hit by a car, it's going to be near to impossible to describe what you got hit by and the license plate. But yeah, that's that's interesting because we actually still have those QR codes. So maybe it's a system like that. Yeah. True. Yeah, we uh, I we have in Massachusetts inspection stickers. I don't think you have them in Connecticut, right, Sean? Oh, well, I'm in Massachusetts now too. So no, but oh, I mean, I you, in, oh, you guys never had them, I don't think, in Connecticut. But they have you know little QR codes, and you can scan a person's inspection sticker. Uh, yeah. there, there's also things like I was just away on vacation, and we drove through a couple of states, and we had a thing called an Easy Pass on stuck to the windshield, and it's something that you you uh, put money into. And that way you can drive right through toll booths and it automatically scans it and it automatically deducts the payment from your account without oh, you having to. Okay. So yeah, I mean, it's pretty much a universal technology, I guess. Yeah. And it, that's yeah. just uh, kind of an extension of that being able to scan something automatically. And so there are types of that available today, not to that extent, but you know, we, we definitely see it. Yeah. So I would say feasibility wise, there is some, um, feasibility of having a license plate with a barcode but probably not like it's shown in the film with the whole thing being a barcode yeah maybe some you know in the future they'll have like you said qr codes on the Mm. plates that could be read if the actual number was obscured in some way Hmm. um i I remember reading i think the novelization of back to the future 2 or the early script where actually when they came you know the temporal displacement happened and they came into the future and they're in the wrong lane um, and then quickly moved over to the other lane, there was a radio voice that came on through Doc's visor or the car that basically said they were in violation and were being penalized some fee for violating the you know traffic laws. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So again, kind of showing that they were very much on top with GPS or whatever system they used of tracking these vehicles wherever they were. Why they wouldn't be very disturbed about a car just appearing out of nowhere would, you know, is another whole story itself. But <laughs> so just to kind of put that they're more on top of where cars are and how to be able to track them. And the, also the the fact that there's a Skyway. I mean, obviously that is something we do not have today. But really, you know, like the closest thing we do have is controlled airspace that's monitored by uh, air traffic control. And we could just pretty much get that that's an extension of uh, of that system yeah mm, mm, true but uh, I, I like in the future there's still traffic oh yeah true. <laughs> yeah even though you have flying cars there's still traffic just but, a new form of it yeah which is makes it, it it's it kind of brings up the idea do they still have roads or do they get rid of those roads like are there still people like very poor people driving on those roads so it's just like all flying I don't know. I mean, I guess there's just uh, maybe maybe almost like the difference between a, a, a highway and a country road. It's just if you're yeah. going short distances, you, you drive. And if you're going long distances, you fly. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Well, I can see this is actually the name of this uh, flying uh, skyway is Hyperlane Grid 4. I think it's referenced in um, later in a uh, screenshot of uh, Hill Valley when the doc's looking at the traffic conditions. Mm-hmm. Um, and we see, if you do a screenshot of when they're exiting, you can see um, the floating highway sign. And the destinations of this highway are Phoenix, Boston, and London. <laughs> so these are definitely made for more long-distance traveling. So in theory, you could take this one road all the way to London, at, almost like it's a local destination. Um, mm. So I think that theory is a good one, that the, the, probably the, the ground roads are more for local travel possibly maybe they're being phased out uh, possibly point. because like i remember in um 
they had, was it the hover conversion? Mm-hmm. They had a, you could take your old car and convert it into a hover car. So maybe it yeah. is like one of those things where it's like time's changing and now you actually have to fly everywhere. Because <laughs> maybe uh, they're pulling up the roads and putting houses on there or something like that. And uh, yeah. that's what it's been turned into. I mean, I'm sure we could spend hours talking about the infrastructure of the future. Yes, <laughs> yeah. I think that's what we're about to do. <laughs> I know, yeah. Talk about city planning and things like that. Like, imagine how you actually have to set up a skyway above your house or skyway. And why did they make a skyway? Maybe there was a car accident while someone was flying around. And then they, those two cars that crashed into each other flying land on somebody. Then they had to make a skyway. Yeah. And once if you crash on a skyway, and once if your car breaks down on a skyway, what do you do? Yeah. Yeah. Well, just to add one more point to this, too, about that, you know, you got to keep in mind, this is only 30 years past when they left, 1985. Hmm. So it's it's not like it's a couple hundred years. So this is probably, especially talking about the hover conversion with Goldie Wilson in a few minutes, mm. um, this is probably a, a still in transition. I mean, think of all the laws that had to be probably passed to get this legalized in the first place. Oh, yeah. So this is probably a very new technology to 2015, Back to the Future's 2015. So there's probably still a good number of vehicles that are groundbound, I guess you can say, not mm. hover converted yet. Probably would take a long time to fully convert everything and, and get everyone on the same uh, picture. All right, so so just to be even more specific, we find out that it is Wednesday, October 21st, 2015 at 4.29 p.m. Now, after Marty tells Jennifer that they are in a time machine, she's actually very excited to, to learn details about her future life. And it's just so much so that Doc uses what's called an easy sleep device on her, to put her to sleep so that when she wakes up, she'll hopefully think that it's just a dream. And I, I should mention, for all of these details, we used a lot from uh, the Futurepedia website. It's the wiki for Back to the Future. And so for a lot of these props, you can see uh, full high-quality photos. So we uh, we definitely uh, suggest that you check those out for some of these details that we're going to be talking about. Definitely. Now about the sleeping device. Uh, yeah, well, this, I wanted to mention, is this where you see that example of Elizabeth Shue's uh, acting ability? <laughs> oh, come on. Um, or, I'm sorry. I This is the worst acting I've ever... What What do you mean, Marty, we're in the future? I, I don't know if she... I don't know. How many... If they just did it in one take and said that's it, but her acting has a lot to be desired in that scene, for, in my opinion. Ah, oh, she's fine. Okay, well, that's a matter of opinion, I guess. All well, right, she's, no. she's knocked out, so, you know. What, <laughs> so she's, before she's, like, she's knocked out. That was like like five minutes of her acting. You couldn't stand yeah. five minutes of her acting. <laughs> not, not really, no. Wow. Okay. I, I'm blaming it on the temporal displacement really screwed her up, but yeah. It's yeah, that's, very, yeah. That, that's one explanation, I guess. Well, Adventures in Babysitting is a great movie, so Miss Shu, if you're listening, you're you're a great actress. Yeah, well, that film, yes, but not this one. So, so about that sleeping device. Now, obviously, these do not exist in in our current world, but uh, there have been patents filed for alpha rhythm generators that are supposed to induce the energies of the alpha rhythm to the human body. So that while that technology maybe is possible, it's a long way away. And there are all kinds of sleeping, uh, there's sleep, uh, sleeping pills that exist, uh, you know, in, in a whole bunch of current forms nowadays. And uh, there are sleep masks for people with sleep apnea that will help them uh, have a, a smoother sleep. Uh, but not necessarily something that will knock you out right away. Oh, well, yeah, not right away. Uh, I actually do have an app on my phone called Sleepstream, which I've used quite a few times because I having issues sleeping uh and that 
strange enough does work it has like the um plays like a kind of rhythm you select what you want like your energy or sleep that plays a certain rhythm over you could pick different sounds like nature or waterfalls and different things like that huh. uh, and it works pretty well i gotta find so not mm. in the same way as knocking someone out instantly but kind of therapeutically uh in a way yeah, yeah. making you go to sleep Interesting. But um, no, yeah. no, the thing I have on my uh, phone, yeah, it's mostly one of these things you use to kind of just drift off to sleep naturally because it plays a, uh, a certain rhythm uh, that your brain kind of reads. I've forgotten the type of rhythm, unfortunately, but it plays a rhythm that it, within um, another sound like, you know, nature, waterfalls, whatever, uh, and helps you go to sleep. And I found it actually does fairly enough work. Huh, pretty cool. Mm. And the thing is, Doc uses it twice because he uses it on um, Marty's son. Because remember, he mentions that uh, he used a device on Marty's son to knock yeah. him out, and he said it wasn't enough charge to keep him uh, unconscious. Mm. Well, I, I bet that this is a device that most parents would love to have. Um... <laughs> yeah, Sean, Sean would be an early <laughs> investor. Exactly, yeah. I'll, Kickstarter for this, no problem. It can, it's a, if it's viable, mm. I'm right on top of it. <laughs> uh, so... As they descend on Hill Valley, we see a floating welcome sign that says, Hill Valley, Goldie Wilson Jr., Mayor, a nice place to live, please fly safely, ejection seats save lives. And surrounding it are signs from various organizations that still exist today as they did in 1985, such as Kiwanis International, Neighborhood Watch, the Rotary Club, Lions, Knights of Columbus, 4-H, and there was a couple of others I, I couldn't actually make out. Yeah, I couldn't tell what they were either. I took a look, but... Mm. different civic organizations that yeah. still exist. Now, what can you tell us about Goldie Wilson, Sean? Well, Goldie Wilson, there were three Goldie Wilsons as far as we know. Goldie Wilson Sr. was the young man we saw cleaning the diner in 1955 who Marty uh, puts the idea in his head that he should become mayor, um, which he enthusiastically agrees that that would be a good way to improve his life. We also see in 1985, in the beginning of Back to the Future, that he is running for re-election. So he has been elected mayor and has been serving for quite a time. We now see in 2015 that Goldie Wilson Jr., as you just said, is now mayor of Hill Valley um, and is also running for re-election, as we see in the <laughs> next scene coming up with the uh, alleyway. He has posters on the walls, uh, re-elect Goldie Wilson Jr., and Goldie Wilson III is a the car customization, owns his own business, uh, hover-converting vehicles, um, as we see also in a few minutes at, in the uh, Hill Valley Square uh, hollow video yeah. advertising his uh, hover-conversion special. Um, so quite a family line of the Goldie Wilson family. You know, I was thinking about this in the timeline, and, you know, they must have been mayors. I mean, maybe there are some mayors in between them, but if... You know, they could have run and been the mayors of this town for many years. Yeah. If Goldie Wilson Sr. had become mayor, like, by the late 70s, let's say, and obviously as mayor in 1985, if he kept on going, I'm not sure how many terms they can run, but his son took over after that, and so this has been the political force in Hill Valley for quite a while. Interestingly, just to go back real quick, I believe that the, and I'm not 100% sure about this, I didn't get a chance to look it up, the thought did cross my mind. The mayor in 1955 was Red Thomas, I believe. Okay. Because um, you could see they also had campaign cars going when Marty first gets to 1955, so they later elect uh, Red Thomas. And I believe he is the homeless man in 1985 when Marty comes back to the future. Oh, yeah, yep. that's Red. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah Red. So he, 
his political career didn't go so well. <laughs> I think there's a whole backstory. If I if you look at Futurepedia, I think it talks about Red Thomas and what happened. Maybe it's some scandal or something that made him into from mayor into a homeless man. You know, thirty years later. So, huh. just an interesting little side point. So they park inconspicuously now in an alley, and they wait until the weather is scheduled to stop to change clothes. And then the weather stops right on time. And behind Marty, we see all these blocks of crushed, large, compact discs and uh, silicone. You know, that's funny because I've watched this movie so many times, and watching these scenes again is the first time I noticed those were silicone breast implants, is what they are. <laughs> it's, it springs out in Futurepedia. I'm not making yeah, that yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, hmm. yeah. There's actually a store, there's a sign for a store in Hill Valley in the background called Bottoms Up, I believe, <laughs> which is a cosmetic surgery place. But I always thought they were just like pink, you know, some kind of waste. And then yeah. th- this time, for some reason, I saw it said, you know, hazardous silicone or something like that on the side of the, the packaging. So that was very funny. Yeah, um, definitely predicting that there will be a rise in cosmetic surgery clinics, procedures, and patients Especially out in California, and uh, yep. yeah, definitely dead-on prediction there. Mm, that is true. I almost was, was thinking that maybe, because it says caution silicone, maybe this is kind of a poke at the fact that people who were getting implants in the 80s, were they were finding out that they were dangerous um, and having them removed by the year 2015. Yeah, uh, it could th- be. Th- th- it's just mm. something, the, the caution of that kind of got to me, or, you know, hazardous material sign. Maybe they're they're kind of just alluding to something. People, all these people in the '80s, because that was a huge thing, getting implants and that sort of thing. So being a a trend that went negatively and being well, sickened by by liquid silicone seeping into their bodies, which is yeah. highly dangerous. Yep. True, true. But there's also there's uh, back in the house. There's an ad actually for breast augmentation. Yes, if you remember. So <laughs> yes. you know this movie does involve a lot of. Um, breast situations we'll, we'll say that people in the future need breasts because there's ads on tv and i yeah. haven't seen any ads for like that this year or maybe it'll happen next week on wednesday <laughs> you know well this week and those ads if you look closely on i'm not going to repeat what they say because it's <laughs> a little vulgar but the, the name of the product is very funny of that breast um yes surgery so now the model, the model number of that uh surgery Now, one thing, though, I have seen infomercials for plastic surgery, like, within the last year or two, and it's for, like, a lot of under-the-chin, kind of loose neck skin type of procedures, Hmm. and that's really the first time I've ever seen that, and so, yeah, maybe uh, maybe this is uh, something that uh, we will see more of in the future. Yeah. (laughs) Now, also, the, uh, the point about the U.S. Weather Service controlling and scheduling the weather, obviously, very far-fetched. We're nowhere near that point in our current time. But it is somewhat possible for scientists to alter some weather conditions. Uh, I think we've heard of in China around the time of the Olympics, they, they can seed clouds to make uh, rain uh, happen when they want, so it won't happen uh, at later times. So there is some basis for this, but, you know, obviously to schedule it on the second is, uh, you know, way too advanced for what we're capable of. True. By the minute uh, predictions or actual accurate uh uh, scientific understanding of the weather hasn't been created yet. But, yeah. you know, we're, we're close enough. I mean, we have um, apps on our phones where we can check the weather every 30 seconds if we need to. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, it, the weather changes, especially here in Melbourne, changes every, like, 30 seconds to, like, cold, wet, sunny, cold, windy, sunny, grey, overcast. Uh, so, you know, we, we kind of gave up on just guessing what the weather's going to be like here. We just kind of let it go. Yep. 
Same thing here in New England. It's it's quite uh, difficult to forecast sometimes. Hmm. You know, I always thought as a kid watching this, and I still kind of believe this up to this day, that when Doc said, you know, wait 30 seconds when Marty said it's pouring rain outside, that Doc had gone into the future, obviously, and had known exactly when it was going to stop. Hmm. I, I, didn't, I, I didn't buy, for some reason, the whole line about the weather service. I thought it was more of a um, tongue-in-cheek type of thing. And Doc knew because he had experienced it already and knew exactly when it was going to stop. One thing I also have an issue with in this scene, and I, again, I love these movies, but we have to nitpick them to death, is the fact that the, the rain stopped so quickly. Yeah, yeah. Um, it wasn't a tapering off and then an ending. It just, like, you could tell it was just pouring from a soundstage onto them, and then it was, like, cut off. And the sun's coming out. It was it was way too fast. If they wanted to do it more realistically, it would have been more of a gradual tapering off. But what are you going to do? I am going to bring up the fact that you're complaining about a, a movie about time travel, which we haven't mastered yet. True, of course. <laughs> well, of course, yeah. Now, now, just to your point about uh, the, the weather and whether Doc had been to the future. Well, he actually had that USA Today from the next day. Yep. Yeah. And according to reproductions of that front page, there is a USA snapshot in the bottom left-hand corner, and it says mostly clear, 12 a.m. to 1.36 a.m., partly cloudy, 1.37 a.m. to 6.36 a.m., heavy rain, 6.37 a.m. to 7.23 a.m., light showers, 7.24 a.m. to 7.29 a.m., continued in section A. So, so it does make sense, yeah. So yeah. He did go to the future, get the paper, come back, yeah. Yeah. So he would already been to the future to know about what happens to Marty's son, picked up a newspaper, and as a bonus, has uh, some some weather forecasts in there as well. True. Mm. Uh, we also see in the alleyway um, crushed, like you said, DVDs or laser discs, actually. Yeah. Um, which is kind of a accurate prediction. I think they overestimated the the value of laser discs <laughs> in 1989 when this was made. But also DVDs or CDs are in that, those bundles too. So that's kind of accurate where things are going more digital and people aren't buying as many DVDs as they were and that not as much of a medium as they, they once were. Yeah. Especially not in 1985 or 1989. I don't know if you guys noticed also on the wall, there is some graffiti. No. And it's, it says uh, class of 2016 on it. <laughs> on the wall behind where the um, garbage is stacked. I didn't see that. Yeah. I missed that one. Now also here, Doc peels the skin off of his face and reveals that he had been to a rejuvenation clinic for an overhaul, and it's added 30 to 40 years to his life. And uh, we also see that Doc here is wearing a transparent tie, which is evidently a style in the future, so he blends in. So rejuvenation yeah. clinics, uh, what do you think? Yeah, I, th I say the forms of that today. I mean, um, not to the extreme of that, you know, you can make someone like that young that quickly. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you have people using Botox, and you have people doing the whole uh, uh, therapy. Was it? Ah, it's a kind of uh, remedial massage therapy and kind of stuff to make them feel younger, and different kind of cosmetic things you can get these days, like creams and balms and pills uh, mm -hmm. to try and make you younger. But nothing to that extreme where it just looks like he. It seems like he kind of casually went to a place. They did it for like half an hour. He comes out and they say, "Oh, leave this stuff on your face for half an hour, then peel off. You'll be fine." You know, it, I we haven't got to that state yet. Yeah, and they did quite a bit of work on him, according to what he said, repairing his colon and, and really doing some internal jobs, too. So mm. <laughs> obviously walking into a place in the mall and getting that work done is not feasible, which sounds like mm. what he, he did. But there are some rejuvenation-type places available going into the whole cosmetic surgery part of things. So 
totally not out of the question, but I, I think, uh, of course, it was more of a, a comic moment. You know, Doc was expecting his huge reaction from Marty. Yeah. That he had changed, and it, nothing changed. Yeah, how I mean, do I look? <laughs> yeah, it's exactly the same, so. Yeah, and of course, we, we are taking this very lighthearted, uh, you know, family film very seriously. That's, yeah, you yeah, know. yeah. <laughs> uh, one other thing in the alley we see is behind the DeLorean, or to the side of it, is a device that looks like a, a power generator has fusion industries stamped yeah. on it. Yeah, mm. um, it seems like a lot of things are being made by that company now. Yeah. Yeah. Mr. Fusion, which we didn't talk about, that that's the main power source, Fusion Power. And obviously they have the market on it, and that's probably the, the power generator for that building, maybe. And just to go into Fusion Power, not to go into a whole scientific discussion about it, but the Fusion, Mr. Fusion was based after a, a Krupp's coffee grinder, I believe. Yes, yeah. Again, a play on terms, because back in 1985, and even now, there's Mr. Coffee, which is a coffee maker. So Mr. Fusion is, yep. you know, the home version of a fusion generator. You know, having this type of fusion power um, that would replace on the DeLorean, you know, a, a nuclear reactor, basically. Not feasible quite yet, but they said within the next decade or so, they would be able to start testing the first fusion reactors, which are a lot safer than nuclear reactors, fission reactors, with very little byproducts, so, uh, and produce a lot more power more safely. Huh. Hmm. So Doc now provides Marty with a hard canister-shaped Nike duffel bag, and inside are a pair of sneakers and a jacket. Uh, and I think he even presses something to make the uh, the panel go from opaque to transparent on the front. Yeah. And that technology... <laughs> technology I saw in this movie. But that that does exist. I don't know if you've ever seen those bathroom stall doors in the, some of these swanky clubs where the... Uh, the, the window, the glass, can go from opaque to transparent, which is kind of scary but uh, for a bathroom door. But but that type of glass does exist. Yes. Yeah, it does. Yeah. I, I think I've read something about it. it basically, they uh, the different versions of that kind of glass. It's like one of them involves like putting a charge through the glass and makes it opaque. Hmm. Uh, this is from something I read a while ago. But yeah, I mean, that stuff actually does now exist, strange enough. Yeah. I don't understand why you would need it on a gym bag. Tweets their no own, one, I guess. No yeah. one wants to see the cool shoes that you have. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's, it's a Nike bag, and it's all about a design and a fashion. Yeah. Yes. And, and one thing I should say, too, and I'll see if you guys feel the same way. A lot of people complain like, oh, product placement. Oh, it's everywhere in this. This is where it belongs. This is perfect product placement. I yes. loved seeing companies, brands that I know in the future and what we'll predict that they'll do. You know, This is how I want to see it. Yeah, mm. yeah. Instead of just randomly throwing it in the Avengers movie or something, right. having it actual be a actual product that people are using in in real life is nice. Yeah, like Ultron eating all those chicken McNuggets really weighed the movie down. That's yeah, stunk. I, I five minutes worth of that too. I didn't understand <laughs> it. It's just how slowly he ate them, I think, and that whole fake. You know, he enjoyed it too much, and he says like, "Man, if I was human, these would be great." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. Now, Doc runs away, and he, he tells Marty he has a mission to accomplish, and he takes with him a slim pair of binoculars. And according to the Futurepedia, this is called a binocular card, and uh, they say that it's as small as a credit card, although it does look a little bigger in the movie, the, the actual prop. Yeah, mm. it does. One thing about this binocular card, and we have folding binoculars. I mean, they've they've mm. been in existence before, way before this movie ever came along. It has facial recognition software or technology inside and that's something that didn't exist at the time of this movie but certainly something that we have today in a sense we do yeah i think unfortunately not for the consumer as much 
these days. Uh, for what I know, it's basically, yeah, the government uses it more than, you know, me on a day-to-day basis. Uh, so that stuff does exist, and I think they use it for, like, just kind of security checks and things like that here and there. Um, but, yeah, I've never personally had a device that says, well, I need to look at this guy's face and figure out who they are. No. Yeah. You usually just go on their Facebook page and go, oh, here they are. <laughs> yeah, and I think this uh, piece of technology is more more like a digital camera would be. I don't know if it was so much facial recognition. I never got that impression when I watched it. More like tracking recognition or tracking, just like digital cameras do today. Your iPhone does it. Mm. If you hold it up to someone's face, it knows that it's someone's face. Yeah, that's what I meant. Um, yeah. yeah. So, you know, he's able to track between the three different people. Of course, you get a little foreshadowing of what his future endeavors are going to involve. When he sees the two young ladies first, before he <laughs> sees, um, you know, Marty Jr., yeah, and it have all the coordinates on the screen too, and things going back and forth. The the, the user interface, the the heads up display, I guess you could say on this thing, but like a common futuristic or digital camera of the time, I would say. Yeah, and he he spots Marty McFly Jr. He's the future son of Marty and Jennifer, and he's wearing his trademark rainbow colored hat, and uh, this is a color shifting lenticular baseball cap. And uh, Nike actually released something similar in 2009, but it didn't really have those same rainbow colors. But uh, more recently, a company named Diamond Select released a high-quality replica of this movie prop uh, with accurate colors. And, and Sean, you you and I have actually seen this in the stores. Yeah, it was in a a comic store, actually. A couple weeks ago, we saw this. Uh, Same exact replica. Kind of heavy, honestly. A little weird to touch because, you know, it's using this reflective material. But it, they do exist, and as replicas, not a bad replica though. No, I saw. It's a, cool. I think in the same place, like you see them in comic book stores, and yeah, they are. I think it's the material they use to for that whole kind of holographic look to it, or that kind of multicolored shine that it has on it. But yeah, I mean, those exist now. Unfortunately, yep. they're not a huge fashion thing. They're very, I guess, more ironic to wear it now, or more very hipster retro. Yeah, to wear it now. Yeah, it came about because of the movie, not on its own and predicted by the movie. Yeah, that is a that's a weird thing, isn't it? Something <laughs> that was created based off a movie and you wear it because you like the movie, but not because of a fashion thing, but the movie says it's a fashion statement thing. As long mm-hmm. as and also turning your pockets inside out. Yeah. Yes, yes, that's another thing. Mm. Uh which we will get to. So so Marty Jr. walks by a plastic surgery franchise as we we talked about there's plenty of those and uh, they offer breast implants on sale. And uh, just, uh, again, predicting that this will be something so common that they can even offer discounts. And uh, Marty walks up to an AT&T phone booth of sorts. Not quite a phone booth, but uh, more of like a some sort of communication kiosk, it looks like. Yeah. Hmm. So again, predicting that phone booths will exist in the future, just not in their current form. And pretty much, no, they're they're all gone. Yeah, at this point. Mm. It's hard, it's hard pressed to find one anywhere. Yeah. So meanwhile, in the alley, Marty puts on his jacket and sneakers. So let's talk a little bit about these, uh, the jacket and the sneakers here. Uh, yeah, the sneakers are called Nike uh, Mags. Uh, that's the official name for them. And basically, they were self-lacing sneakers. I think they're very cool. I know Nike's put out some replicas of these without the self-lacing part of things. Unfortunately. Unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And they've they sold quite a few of them. I mean, they're hard to find, and they're expensive when you do find a pair of, of Nike mags. Uh, but you can also can um, get replicas made as well. There's, I think, a costume shop you can get them uh, made. Uh, the replicas, and they actually do light up and everything like that. But uh, there's a... Who's it? The guys have tested, right? 
uh, we're having a look at the a guy actually owned a pair of the official made mags uh, and a pair of the knockoff ones and then he had a pair that he made himself you know he had the structure of it and he put actual lights and actually made it to be authentic i mean that's the thing there are a lot of people who still want those shoes i mean how yeah. hard is it to lace your shoes really <laughs> no yeah exactly yeah. you'd be surprised <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, it, 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 it's a piece of um, uh, uh, an iconic piece of dress wear from that movie, especially for the fact that it has that Nike brand, and Nike must have been just you know entirely excited that people are still talking about it today. Oh yeah, they still want these shoes, and they still have so much uh, need for these shoes for this future that we live in now. Even though we have so many other different shoes, which are more you know orthopedic and better for you, but apparently we want the old future '80s design. I just think about what would happen if this, the power failed on these things, and you end up yeah. cutting your foot out of it, and you know to get unload through the, the laces, and be a big mess. And I should say that mag stands for magnetic anti gravity, and that's a property of these sneakers that we did not see. And I guess it's because these shoes were originally intended to be used in a scene in which slam ball players were wearing them and using them. Yes, mm. but I guess the scene was just way too expensive. And they scrapped it, and instead they gave the sneakers to Marty. Now, this uh, the power lacing, of course, we don't have any, anything near that. But between 2008 and 2013, Nike filed for several patents for footwear with automatic lacing and lighting systems. In 2008, Nike released what they called the Hyper Dunk McFly, which kind of strange. <laughs> Michael J. Fox didn't dunk in this movie. He dunked in Teen Wolf. But... Uh, they were a technology-less replica of these sneakers. But in 2011, they released a very limited edition replica, this time called the Nike Mags. And uh, they had LED panels and uh, electroluminescent logos on the sides. But uh, again, without that power lacing system. And they did actually add a little bit of extra foam support in the ankle and the toe. Hmm. Uh, just going back to Slam Ball real yes. quick, because you mentioned that. Believe it or not, this is, a, of course, a made-up sport. It is mentioned on uh, Gray's uh, Sports Almanac as one of the sports that is included in the book. But believe it or not, Slam Ball became a game based on the movie or not in the mid-90s. Yeah. Not sh- I haven't really heard about it since then. It's a it thing on- the trampolines, right? Yes. Yeah, it was trampolines. It's so like see where the um, anti-gravity would come into play. It's like basketball, but on each side is like a, a set of four trampolines, remember? Mm-hmm. And it's yes. just basically so it's like, you could do extreme dunking and things like that. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, it, 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 seems like, it seems like a nightmare, especially if you're running. And if you tripped, imagine you tripped and you fell onto a <laughs> trampoline and you bounce out of the arena. Oh, I know. That'd be the best thing ever. It'd be like a great... It'd be like watching a Looney Tunes cartoon. It'd be great. <laughs> it's like in baseball, you, you catch a foul ball and you get to keep it. I don't know what happens if a slam ball player falls on your family. You get to take him home. That's right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I looked up slam ball because I remember uh, we have a channel, Spike TV. And uh, mm. before that, it was called The National Network. And I believe mm. slam ball aired on The National Network, which is right between the, the channel was... The channel was first called the Nashville Network, and it was all country music and of the, things of the like. Then, uh, then it went into its national network phase, and that's when it aired Slam Ball, the early two thousands, pretty much. And uh, they were—it was so funny to watch that. They were very serious. They had uh, co- former basketball players as coaches, and from what I've seen on their website, they do exist in some form. They've recently had an international tournament in China, I believe. There's not really much as far as statistics. It seems all the statistics stop at 2008. 
but they do have clips on YouTube and on their website, and the, the site is still operational with a 2015 copyright, so oh, wow. maybe they don't play a season every year. Kind of strange. Yeah. And just going back to the uh, what, what Hamish mentioned about wearing the pants inside out, because Doc tells Marty, you know, have your pockets inside out. That's how all the kids are wearing them. Uh, mm. and, and supposedly in May 2015, there was a jeans manufacturer that launched a Kickstarter for a product called Audis. And they claimed that these were going to be the inside-out jeans from the movie. Huh. Yeah. I don't no, know. <laughs> I think you can buy inside-out jeans at any store. But Yeah. Uh, you can buy them from any store. Just buy your <laughs> pants and then take the pockets and put them on the outside. I'm actually already... Like, that, that, that's a weird thing to think people want to buy. I wouldn't want to buy pants with the pockets on the outside. I like no. to keep my things inside my pockets. Yes. Hands, phone, <laughs> wallet, everything. But, you know, it's already hard enough to find proper pants that fit, let alone ones with pockets on the outside. Yeah, yeah. Not not a not a fashion trend, fortunately. Not yet, anyway. Well, it's got a couple of days, so we'll see. <laughs> That's true. So now they hide the unconscious Jennifer, and Doc gives Marty $50 to buy a Pepsi at the Cafe 80s while he waits for a guy named Griff. And Doc tells him to say no to whatever Griff proposes and come right back. So let's talk about inflation. Mm. Yes. Fifty dollars for a Pepsi. What do you think? Seems reasonable. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it is Pepsi, and maybe they haven't been selling enough product, so it's like, well, we'll have to raise the price just you know to break even. <laughs> well, there's Pepsi Perfect, so you know, probably worth fifty bucks. Unless it's like New Coke, and it's like we've made a huge mistake. We'll just resell <laughs> the old stuff as Pepsi Perfect. The old stuff was rubbish. <laughs> well, you gotta think too. Maybe the Pepsi didn't cost $50, or maybe it was more expensive, obviously, with inflation. Mm. But you got to think, where did Marty get the money to buy the Sports Almanac? That's true. Um, oh, yeah, the $50, he, yeah. Yeah, did he, did he take it out of the 50 bucks? I think I read somewhere that maybe he scanned his thumb, pay for it that way, and the yeah, old Marty put the bill uh, of the yeah. Sports Almanac. <laughs> Because so, it would record, like, it, but actually, wait, if he got charged for that, the whole thumbprint um, payment system, then he'd probably look back through a list of payment. And he's like, when did I buy a book? Yeah, Sports Almanac. Yeah. He's like, who who used my thumb? Oh, wait, no one used my thumb. <laughs> but that's actually interesting, bringing up the fact that um, uh, there's an antique shop, but also the payment system was that thumb. And you see that used for the taxi, and you also you see it used for... Um, uh, was it Fleischer's character who wanted you to... Was it wanted him to use his thumb to pay for... Uh, Fixing the clock tower. Yeah, like Terry. Yeah, yeah. Terry. Yeah. Terry. And the thing is that that's another thing that's kind of come along, the uh, thumbprint scanning, the like biometric stuff. Because in the iPhones, you have it. Yes. Very, yeah. very uh, a feasible technology. I've used it personally getting onto PC systems. They use uh, biometric authentication. So that's definitely not something that's out of the realm of possibility and is being used more so uh, today. Mm. And it's been um, used on, on tablets and things like that, and that's what people seem to have now, like those tablets to read off uh, information and, uh, yeah, just get about their day. Yeah. Yeah, and that's called a portable thumb unit in these movies. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, and like we've seen with uh, smartphones, you can you can even swipe credit cards on attachments to your smartphones. So you can you mm. can pay remotely on handheld devices for sure. Mm. See, that's, that's realistic. So it does make sense that if he went to the shop and he had no money and he just used his thumb, or someone said, like, oh, just use your thumb, he'd be like, all right, sure, done. Okay, cool. Yeah, because he wouldn't care what, did, what happened. You know, he probably didn't understand what was going on half the time. So mm. he just, you know, he's like, oh, great, I can pay for it this way, no problem. He basically went in there and said, like, ooh, I could get that Roger Rabbit toy, or I could get it in Sports Almanac. <laughs> 
Another thing is the the look of the money. Did you happen to see that, Sean? I, I didn't get a good look at the actual bills in this scene. No, I, n- I didn't see it. According to the Futurepedia site, we, we see a, a look at the paper currency, and, and it features uh, security threads and a large off-center portrait. And, and it's funny because similar changes were made to the United States paper currency in the 2000s. Uh, the only difference is now uh, our money doesn't feature barcodes like their money. And uh, But it's funny that they actually did the United States for especially like uh, everything except for the $1 bill. There's a large portrait off center. Just kind of a, an interesting note there. Yeah. Now, now, from this point, Doc gives Marty the stern warning not to talk to anyone, not to touch anything, not to do anything, not to interact with anyone, and try not looking at anything. And, and Marty's confused, and Doc kind of just reveals to him at this point, saying, Look what happens to your son! And he holds up a copy of the next day's USA Today. And, man, there is a lot going on on this cover of this newspaper. So, uh... Let's break down the USA Today. If you Google USA Today, uh, Back to the Future, and look at images, you can see a lot of high-quality images of this front page if you want to look at this yourself. Actually, there's also a video online you can look at, um, which I'll link to you on Twitter, uh, of Bob Gale actually with the original prop. And he actually talks about the entire uh, paper and what you don't see in the movie as well, because he has the original prop from the movie, and he unfolds it and he shows you what else they had on there. Oh, Along with cool. like stuff talking about was like Richard Nixon being alive and things like that. Huh. Uh, but there's this whole other video where he basically talks about the props of uh, Back to the Future, and one of the props is the uh, USA Today paper, the original um, screen-used prop that he has. Uh, so I'll link a video onto Twitter, and you can have a look at it. Yeah, that's pretty cool. We will retweet that on the uh, Hitting Play account for sure. The two things that I like to look at this before I even get into the headlines and talk about the different news stories. Yep. Well, this is uh, first on the uh, original version of this USA Today. When Marty is uh, is arrested mm-hmm. before it was changed, the two police officers arresting Marty, I, I'm pretty sure that the casting department just had two police officers. It, it, these are the two same police officers. If you look that escort uh, Jennifer back to her home. Mm. Oh, really? Yes. Yeah. If you look at it, they're both female police officers. I believe so. At least they look exactly the same as oh, those yeah, two police yeah. officers, and they're also. In the backgrounds, through the window of the Cafe 80s, walking through the town square, or the mall square, and in the backgrounds when the hoverboard uh, accident happens. So they're all over the place. And it's him walking around until their their big scene with uh, Jennifer. But you're probably going to bring this up too, Scott, but all the articles in this... I mean, I'm talking about all of the articles, are the same paragraph repeated over and over again. Yes, yes. Mm. And that's all it is. They wrote one paragraph. Even the side stuff, like the the small little newsline items, are just the same thing about Marty McFly being arrested. Some of them. Some yeah, of them. some of them. Some of them have some actual words, but most of them are just, you know. Yeah, the story about McFly Jr. 17 arrested for the theft, undisclosed cash amount, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So, well, let's get into a little of the detail here. Uh, the USA Today, the actual logo... They predicted that it will change. It actually has changed a couple of times since this movie came out. Uh, Not like this, but I'm really hoping that USA Today creates a replica of this. But they've they've come out with a lot of special editions of their newspaper over the years, so I really Mm. hope they take advantage. And they'll make a ton of money for sure. I'll I'll buy a few copies. Yeah. 
But the USA logo here on this paper says three billion readers. So they kind Ooh. of <laughs> overestimated the, uh, the the growth of newspapers over the next uh, 30 years. Yeah. Uh, this paper, the new, the USA Today, it, it's currently kind of neck and neck with the Wall Street Journal and the New York Times for the widest circulation of United States newspapers. And according to the Audit Bureau of Circulations, it had 1.8 million copies circulation as of March 2012. And I, I kind of tend to believe it's a little lower than that now, three years after that report. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not quite 3 billion. No. Now, one thing uh, under the news line, little short news stories or news uh, events, it says thumb bandits strike after amputating, and I guess it's somebody's thumb. And, you know, with thumbprint technology in this alternate future uh, Mm -hmm. being so prevalent, you could understand why someone would actually amputate a thumb to gain access to uh, somebody's homes or finances. Yeah, that's horrifying, but yeah. yeah. (laughs) All it's good for in our world is playing Angry Birds, I guess. Yep. Hey, some people really love Angry Birds, and (laughs) they need an extra thumb. (laughs) Now, uh, the next one is man killed by falling litter thrown from a hovering vehicle. So this kind of uh, harkens to what uh, Hamish was saying about, you know, you have a a whole skyway, and a lot of things can happen up there. Mm. So someone did actually think of that. Yeah. Another thing is Tokyo stocks up, averaging a point increase in rally. Uh, it's kind of interesting with this point is because the, the Asian markets actually suffered huge losses in August of 2015, particularly in China, but it did affect the, uh, the other Asian stock markets like the Nikkei, which is the, uh, the Tokyo stock exchange. And, uh, at the time of this recording, it is, uh, slowly crawling back a few points here or there. So this is definitely a, a plausible prediction. And, uh, the fact that it mentions that it's rallying from something, uh, makes it an even more accurate prediction. Hmm. Kind of cool. Uh, the next thing is Swiss terrorist threat may be real, CIA officials say. Uh, that's something that uh, unfortunately is part of our world today, uh, uh, the threat of terrorism, even in places where we never thought possible before. Hmm. Yep. I always thought this was referring to that um, the Swiss were terrorists. Yeah, that yeah, that's true. You know, it was just kind of off base from, you know, the Swiss being neutral and that sort of thing, so... Yeah, I think that's probably what they were going for. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the next thing, I have no idea what this means. Maybe you guys can shed some light. Shredding for charity is a way to make money and save trees. Probably some sort of sick-ass guitar riff. <laughs> yeah, I'm guessing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you're shredding for, like, charity, get into it. I yeah, mean, I I'd sit around and listen to, like, who would be alive? With- oh, yeah, Tom Morello. He'd still be alive. So, yeah, if it was just him for, like, three hours of just one huge solo, yeah, yeah. I'll give him money. Let's save the trees. You play guitar, and it saves the trees somehow. <laughs> what do you mean he'd still be alive? It's 2015. He's alive. I know. I just realized that. I did that <laughs> thing where I'm, th- where I'm thinking, like, the future. But the future is now. And so I can't wait till this movie is, like, we're past this movie, because now we'll just be watching a movie about the past. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, the- here's what didn't happen to us thanks to this movie, and we put so much high hopes in it. I know. Uh, the next thing is, President says she's tired of reporters asking the same questions. So this this alludes <laughs> to the United States having a female president. Mm. So for the United States to have a female president in 2015, if elections, we presume, are going p- to be the same, she would have to have been elected in 2012. And of course, those were won by the current president, Barack Obama. But at the time of this recording, Secretary of State Hillary Clinton is currently running for president. Yes. But that's about as close as the prediction could be. 
Pretty close. Mm. The the next one, uh, not so close. Queen Diana mm-hmm. will visit Washington tomorrow in the capital prepares. Yeah. As we know, uh, Princess Diana died in a car crash in Paris, August 31st, 1997. And the current reigning monarch of the United Kingdom is Queen Elizabeth II, the same as in 1985. Yep. She'll never die. No. Never. No. She's they... going to hang on to it forever. Yes. And in 2015, she actually reached the milestone of becoming England's longest reigning monarch, surpassing the reign of her great-great-grandmother, Victoria. And she's currently the longest reigning (laughs) queen in verifiable recorded history. She is currently 89 years old and began her reign on February 6th, 1952, a few months shy of 64 years. Yeah, but at least they had a positive view of what could have happened and what things that might have been, which is good. Oh yeah, wasn't too wasn't too dark. So yeah, they were very positive about these sort of things and a lot of, had a lot of hope and expectations. So that's good. Yeah, there's a lot of optimism here. There's a couple of dark mm. things they predicted, but a lot of optimism. Mm. Uh, here's a, here's one of the dark uh, headlines: Kelp price increase is likely after pollution of South Pacific. Now, Hamish, as someone in the South Pacific, could you uh, shed some light on the pollution problem? Um. As in, like, can I breathe the air right now? Yeah, it's fine. Can you swim? Yeah, it. Yeah, we can swim. It, it's it's <laughs> it's it's I, I it's interesting because like um we can still do a lot of things down here. I mean, I think back in the mid nineties, it was like the hole in the ozone layer, but then they mentioned that it's healed itself up now, apparently, uh, from reports. So yeah, I mean, things are still fine down here. The only issue we have is erosion to uh, the Great Barrier Reef, uh, unfortunately, out of my hands. But yeah, it's a thing. It's it's it's. Not as bad as they predicted here at the moment. I mean, beyond the fact that the weather down here has been getting hotter in increasing years, uh, but that comes down to climate change. So, you know, it's, it's, it's not too bad for the way they predicted it. Now, how much is kelp for you guys? Just a ballpark figure. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I wake up with a bowl of kelp. Yeah, Weepix, kelp. Uh, I turn on the tap. I need some kelp. I just, it's, you know, it, kelp's an important part of my lifestyle. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Vegemite, right? <laughs> Yes, it's actually replacing Vegemite now. I mean, it, it's 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 that kind of battle between kelp and kale. You know, it's uh, like people want kelp, people want kale. We just can't decide. So much choice. Uh, quite the variety. Now, I I actually, for the purpose of this episode, to be comprehensive, I did look, and uh, of course, like you know, Hamish mentioned, it's it's an ever growing problem, pollution in the oceans, but not to the point where it's like you know he can't go swimming if he doesn't want to. Uh, probably sharks would be more of a problem for you guys, right? Yeah, driving cars, coming up to the beach. Uh, <laughs> at the moment, it, it seems to be sharks have popped up a lot more recently, strangely enough. You know, going after a couple of surfers here and there, but um, not a major problem. Like, you know, I, can't, I can go down to St. Kilda Beach and I can get in the water. That's fine. But, you know, it seems to be a couple of cases where the sharks have re-emerged recently which you know it's great when people start thinking of australia and sharks again puts us back on the map it's great well here too i mean again it's a, it's a whole it's a whole thing of being attacked but you know yeah well, but here too in the north atlantic and cape cod we've actually had a whole bunch of great whites this summer very yeah. very scary mm-hmm. but uh but but i did do the research and uh if you want to know if you do take a kelp supplement for some reason uh they are currently 7.99 for a bottle of 100 capsules at walgreens our, our local drugstore what does kelp do? Is it just iron? I don't know. <laughs> I think most of the people taking it have no idea either. <laughs> I, don't, it's like, I um, don't know. <laughs> it's like the, you can also get krill oil as well, like pills with krill oil in it. Yeah. And the only thing I know krill is good for is feeding a whale yeah, whenever yeah. it's around. <laughs> but 
I, I can, I've never thought, I need some krill. I need something that the ocean has. I need that in my body. You got to keep your, your blowhole lubricated, evidently. <laughs> <laughs> that's all personal, uh, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's personal. I see my doctor about that. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, this is kind of a, an accurate prediction in, in a sense. This is, uh, the next one is pitcher suspended for bionic arm use without calibration. Yep, that makes sense. That's 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 happening today. Everything's a lot of things recently have been replaced with robotic arms. <laughs> okay, I mean that, I mean that in the scientific sense. I mean, yes. strange enough, if you notice recently this year, there's about four cases of strange enough. It's like was it um, left to arm robotic replacements? Strange enough, I don't know why because I saw the new Mad Max and Fury, Furiosa has like a robotic left arm. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was it if you? Bought the new Metal Gear Solar game. Uh, Snake has a new left robotic arm. Uh, if you look at Star Wars, the left arm of C-3PO has been replaced with a robotic left arm. And the new series of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Coulson's got a new robotic left arm. So it's the year of the left arm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Robotic left arm. Only the left, not the right at the moment. Very strange. I, I remember, yeah, yeah, now that you mentioned that, I saw you tweet about that. Mm. I just thought, it was really weird that for some reason it's always the left arm and like all these products came out this year. Um, but you no, know, I can understand that, um, especially in baseball, uh, having an advantage, even if it's a robotic left arm, that's still prevalent today. Especially if you don't calibrate it. I mean, come on. <laughs> it, it's rule number one. You, yeah, you get the you arm, calibrate you it. calibrate it, then you have to get the updates and stuff like that. Firmware updates, yeah. No, no. Oh, yeah. The the point that I was trying to make here <laughs> is that in terms of uh, between nineteen, what is this movie? Nineteen eighty eight. Eighty-eight, eighty-nine. Yeah. So, like between that time and today, I mean, we just saw a huge scandal in Major League Baseball, especially uh, ten years after this movie came out, when uh, Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa were on that huge home run chase, and uh, they started really cracking down on performance-enhancing drugs. Obviously, not uh, bionics or prosthetics, but uh, performance enhancements. Uh, became a huge scandal in that rocked the sport to the point where they were, they had to testify before Congress. There were all kinds of independent reports. And uh, yeah, it's something that uh, still plagues the sport today. We see guys getting suspended for a ton of games for performance-enhancing uh, drugs in the form of steroids and human growth hormone. But yeah, just kind of kind of interesting. And just in the, the terms of bionics, uh, a lot of advancements have been made with uh, prosthetics. Yes, that's true. Because you now can um, 3D print uh, replacement hands, which is great because it's now um, there's an open source for it, which makes it more affordable, more um, acceptable. Like people, average people can now create their own uh, replacement arms. Mm. I mean, to a scale of it's made out of plastic and as and it can move because of the the design that they've chosen for it. But yeah, they've made it more interesting for people, especially of a younger age, who have lost limbs or haven't grown with a, a real arm. Mm-hmm. And it made it more uh, accepting. Like, it's no longer a piece of, uh, I guess, equipment that you get from your doctor or a hospital. And it's like this, this unusable, ugly piece of kit that's, that's strapped to you. It actually looks like a proper hand. And they've designed, I think there's actually a group that's designing a bunch of them in different, like three different ways. Like, I think one looks like an Iron Man hand. Another one looks like a hand for uh, Star Wars. Another one's like, again, Frozen. But yeah, they made it more acceptable now, and it's no longer this kind of stigma. You can actually just go out and three D print a hand or an arm that you need. Yeah, pretty amazing. Yeah, I mean that's 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 a piece of interesting future tech that's come along that that wasn't represented in uh, Back to the Future. I mean, robotic arms, sure, but 
the accessibility of actually creating something of your own and something which is you know usable and friendly for people and there's no longer this kind of uh stigma of just losing an arm and you know feeling like being left out no you you look like you're more accepted and it's it's been built to be more uh, i guess in a way fashiony and look cool so you know at, at some point if you go online you look these things up you look at these um open sourced uh 3d printed hands yeah there's some of them are very stylish and very cool especially the iron man hand mm. because it looks like a, a full iron man hand yeah and it lights up with an led and everything uh, and it looks really, I mean, you know, for people with re- two real hands, you, you get kind of jealous because it looks pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, that's, that's really, it's a really great part about it. I mean, you know, this future that we live in today. So it, basically two maybe accurate predictions, but when you combine them as they did, it's not, uh, not really accurate. True. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> the next story is slam ball playoffs begin. We kind of already covered that. Uh, mm-hmm. The next one is... Jaws Without a Bite is in the review of Jaws 19. Now, we'll talk about that a little later. Uh, <laughs> but I haven't seen Jaws 18 yet. <laughs> Better get on that, yeah. Uh, the shark lives, uh. hate to tell you. Oh man. This was in space, right? One of them's got to be. Yeah, one's, I think that was 12. <laughs> You'd think, yeah. One's in space, one's on the internet. <laughs> yes. They always do that. Like, ew, it's a, a technological advanced shark, but it's on the internet. Yes, yes. The the, uh, the next story is car owners revolt, and this is one of the the news items that just has the uh, the copied text, so we really don't know what that's all about. So I think it's a union issue if we look at the uh, the lower article, but really no details there. And uh, the final one is home prices increase, and I, I think that's kind of a a general thing that uh, always happens. Yep. The market tends <laughs> to go up and down, but generally with the uh, the cost of living, yeah, home prices increase. Uh, yeah, we see in the middle articles. Um, of course, the, the main article about uh, the, the theft and the Marty McFly being arrested, Junior being arrested, excuse me. Mm-hmm. The big article is uh, cholesterol may cure cancer. Yeah. This is kind of a funny little spinoff how people say that everything will cure cancer and it got, to the, it got into the point where cholesterol and alcohol cures cancer. Yeah. Um, we talked about the auto union at the bottom. Yeah. Um, but we also see at the very top at the sports, a got slam ball. We get a little um, a little teaser about the Cubs winning the World Series. Yes. And Marshall runs a three-minute mile, so which is I'm not sure what this record is for the the min, uh, how many minutes in a mile. I looked it up. Yeah. What is it? Okay. Well, the the first thing I just want to mention is you talked about the Cubs. We'll we'll talk about that a little later. Uh, it mentions here though that they swept the series in five. Now the the ba- the World Series of Major League Baseball is a seven-game series, so this tends to uh, make us believe that they increased the, the the size of the series to nine games. That's true, yeah. Which uh, did not happen. Uh, as far as the three-minute mile, that's insane. Uh, at the time that this movie came out, the record for fastest mile was three minutes, 46.32 seconds by Steve Cram of the UK. That was July 27th, 1985. Now, since the movie came out, the record was actually broken two more times. And the current record is 3 minutes, 43.13 seconds by Hisham El Garouj of Morocco on July 7th, 1999. And he set that record in Rome. And Hisham El Garouj was uh, just an incredible runner, uh, an Olympian. And I remember he even had his own pair of Nikes you could buy. Hmm, nice. Yeah. Uh, one more point about the USA Today, this is like a huge segment, uh, is that the, the article about Marty McFly Jr. being arrested, uh, it was written by CompuFax. And uh, mm. this was evidently some sort of program 
that could write articles. And uh, automatic writing programs do exist today. Uh, they're, they're often problematic. But recently, this was kind of interesting. I remember when I heard this in the news, I was like, oh, I got to write this down for the episode. It was in the news that a program called DreamWriter wrote a very well-composed 1,000-word article in 60 seconds. Hmm. And it was so good wow. that uh, it looked like a human wrote it. So oh, just coming in under the wire, uh, CompuFax could be an accurate prediction, believe it or not. That's right. Computers and robots stealing my jobs. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we are now done with the USA Today, and we can move on with the story. So the main point, the whole point of this paper, is that Marty McFly Jr. arrested for theft and within two hours was sentenced to 15 years in a state penitentiary. And evidently the justice system works very quickly now that all lawyers have been abolished. <laughs> and this is something called data court, I believe? Yeah. Yeah, and of course we, we know that uh, lawyers have not been abolished in today's world. Uh, computers are a part of our daily life, and they have sped up a lot of things, especially when it comes to uh, bureaucracy and office work and data entry and all that stuff, but not to the point where in two hours you would have a 15-year jail sentence without uh, anybody representing you. So Doc now reveals that Marty's daughter will actually try to break him out of prison and herself face a sentence of 20 years. So now to prevent the complete destruction of the McFly family, Doc and Marty are there to prevent this one event that starts this whole chain reaction. So uh, before he sends off Marty, he warned him that Griff has a few short circuits in his bionic implants. <laughs> and so Marty walks out into the center of Hill Valley, and, and this is just a scene that uh, I remember as a, as a child seeing this, just completely in awe. Just one of my favorite movie memories is seeing... Marty walk into the future. Yeah, that's a that's a great scene where they they have him walking out into the light almost from the dark alley, and we don't get to see anything in the future until this point, really. Yeah, like we mentioned before, the you see a bunch of just payphones, more payphones to his right as he's walking out, and it, there's also posters. I couldn't see any of what the posters said except for the Goldie Wilson Jr. re-election posters. Mm -hmm. All of them are shredded up and everything. We do see the the Surf Vietnam poster on the left yes which we'll talk about in a few minutes later um one thing personal to me is one of the cars that passes by in front of him it's actually the the blue and white striped one or the blue and white one is actually a ford tempo <laughs> um which is which is my first car back in uh my first car is 1987 ford tempo <laughs> and it looks exactly like that so it could be that very model um vehicle wow. that's funny yeah but the thing about that scene is that um, this is like the third variation of Hill Valley. Since the first movie where you had a Hill Valley of, was it 1985? And then he went back in time. You saw the old Hill Valley. And this is the future Hill Valley. So this is the third version of it. And it's interesting to see that because we've seen the other versions. And then you finally get to see it at the same time he does. Yeah. And you see this whole complete change and the whole complete uh, clean future 80s aesthetics. Yeah. You know, everything having a certain hyper-color to it, especially in people's outfits that look like they're made out of foam. Yeah, very strange fashion. Yeah. Marty also walks by what's called a PacFax mailbox. Uh, this was a, a public mailbox that had a, a fax machine built right into it. Uh, again, they, they did not foresee the internet uh, yep. in this movie, so fax machines were seen as just a, a, the next step up from letters. So you could just go right up to a mailbox and and uh, put your facts right through it, which is kind of funny. Really, I, again, overestimating the purpose of faxes in 2015. Yes. 
there's also no landing signs as well on the the street itself. So yeah. they're just like we have a, some no parking zones. They also mm-hmm. want to make sure that nobody just comes straight down onto somebody in these certain areas. We could see the the change of the courtyard square as uh, Hamish brought out. You know, in in 1955, it was a nice memorial park, I guess you could say, with World War Two, World War One memorials on it. Town Square. 1985 had degraded to a parking lot, and now we see in 2015 it's now a pond. Um, yeah. With it's in the courtyard itself, it's now a mall. It's interesting too if you think about the dynamics of to go into too much detail about this, but the shifting commercial um, structure. You know, in the 50s, this was definitely the place to be to go shopping and everything. It's just where everything was. Western Union, the dress shop, everything was there. The uh, movie theater, that sort of thing. In 1985, all the commercial stuff had moved to the mall, mm-hmm. Twin Pines Mall or Lone Pines Mall, whatever you know universe you subscribe to. <laughs> and the this courtyard area, this downtown had been run down and was decrepit almost. All businesses were closing and it wasn't, again, a center of anything. But in 2015, it's, it's reverted back to being the center of commerce where the mall is actually at the courthouse has been reverted, you know, converted to a mall with underground stores and things like that. So just kind of showing that the eighties were horrible and that's true for all of us, I think. So now as Marty stops, as uh, Sean mentioned, we see in the background an advertisement for us air that says surf Vietnam and uh, Vietnam as a, as a vacation spot seemed maybe a little far fetched around this time. One thing about U.S. Air is that they rebranded themselves as U.S. Airways in 1997, and uh, the logo that appears there on the billboard uh, was used from 1979 to 1989, and uh, was even out of use for about six months when this movie came out. Now, this is this is pretty crazy. At the time of this recording, U.S. Airways is not a current company. They actually merged with American Airlines in February 2013 and officially rebranded all of their properties as American Airlines. And they officially ceased operations yesterday as we record this on October 17th, 2015, four days before the setting of this movie. Well, it's very possible they could rebrand within the next day and offer (laughs) flights to Vietnam. You never know. It's highly likely. It is. I'm expecting it to happen tomorrow. Now, I'm not sure what the... uh, what the political situation is in Australia, but uh, in the United States, Bill Clinton ended the U.S. trade embargo with Vietnam in 1994, and uh, it kind of uh, normalized relations with with that country, and op- kind of opened up Vietnam as a as a tourism spot for the United States. So Marty then looks up and he sees an automated Texaco gas station, yes. which is pretty cool. It's actually high up above, so it's for I guess for floating cars, or is there a ramp for? I didn't see any ramps. I saw, I think it had a 7-Eleven underneath it. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I think it was just for, you know, cars that could get up there with hover power. I, if you're just driving a car around, yeah, you'd have to probably learn how to fly it. Or probably as a gas station somewhere down there. Who knows? Now, we still have Texaco. They still exist. And they, they do offer still the Havoline brand. Uh, however, pumping gas still legally involves a human element. Uh, the closest thing that we have to the CompuServe payment option that's seen there is, you know, using a credit or debit card. And they even have those smart keychains that you can kind of wave over a pad. I think mobile had those. Yeah. Uh, um, the gas prices there, uh, Fusion Gold, six ninety five, dollars uh, Super Fusion Plus, seven sixty two, dollars Liquid Hydrogen, 
$8.10, regular unleaded $8.37, and super unleaded plus $8.99. Well, so this is pretty accurate then. <laughs> yeah, they're on top of that. Yeah. Well, well currently in the United States, the uh, the average price today is about $2.30. Yeah. So they were a little off. Has jumped up to close to $4 or over $4 in the past couple of years. So, so yes, very sporadic fuel prices. And this really shows, too, that there were still vehicles that, you know, were using regular unleaded gasoline at this time. Yeah. Um, so, again, the Fusion, you know, like Doc said, the Mr. Fusion on DeLorean didn't power the internal combustion engine. So were all cars that they all or are the newer cars all operate on fusion power? We don't really know. They could have had conventional hydrogen or gas engines. Yeah. No, they've they've talked about using hydrogen to power cars. A uh, little unsafe at this point. Uh, you don't want to get into a fender bender and have your car turn into the Hindenburg. So, uh, you know, for for now, uh, unleaded gasoline is the the standard. Although uh, electric is is very much a part of our our everyday life now. Yes. True. If you look at those uh, new Tesla vehicles, yeah, mm. they all run electricity. Now, uh, behind Marty is the Holomax, which is playing the movie Jaws 19, directed by Max Spielberg. And uh, the tagline <laughs> for the movie is, this time it's really, really personal. Yeah, that's, uh, and actually on the Futurepedia, they have a, um, the movie theater poster of Jaws 19. And it's actually pretty funny. You know, you see Jaws again, you see the tagline, you see like an underwater type of city. And divers, and actually, you know, not too unrealistic. There's been a big resurgence in 3D movies mm-hmm. and IMAX type stuff. So the uh, motion to enhance movies by other effects besides, you know, traditional movies and film is is not something that's unknown to us. Um, right. Holographic like this, of course, is not available. This has an additional point to this. There's a very funny video. It was made by Universal Pictures, actually. It's on YouTube. And it's a Jaws 19 trailer <laughs> that they made um, just in conjunction as a, as a goof, I think a couple of years ago. Very funny if you want to watch it. It goes over what we are talking about a few minutes ago. All the Jaws movies from Jaws 1. You know, it talks about Jaws 3D, Jaws the Revenge. And it goes on and talks about Jaws 5 through 18. <laughs> and they're all hilarious. You know, like Jaws 10 or 12 is in space. Um, one of them is on the internet, like Hamish said. Um, one's a love story. It's like all the genres that could possibly do for Jaws are, are um, mentioned there. That's funny. So, yeah, very, very funny trailer. It's only about a minute or so long. Another thing is that Max Spielberg is Steven Spielberg's son. Yes. He, he did work, I think, on one movie, like the, the reboot of Carrie with his mother, Amy yeah. Irving. But that that's as far as his movie experience went. He's not a director currently. So he hasn't lived up to his father's expectations. No. Nope. Oh, that's a shame. That's a, yeah, it is. That's a shame. Uh, the Jaws franchise, of course, did end at number four, Jaws the Revenge, uh, whose tagline was, this time it's personal. So this was a, a take on that. Yeah. But it's, just, it's actually funny with um, Jaws 19 and all these other films. We're still obsessed with sequels. Yes. Still obsessed with remakes, sequels, and 3D. Yeah, very true. Yeah. Because it's like, even though this is Jaws 19, we have like uh, an, another... Bond movie coming out soon. We have another... Was it, they want to do another Indiana Jones recently, I was reading. They're going to do, again, Ghostbusters remaking that. We've had another Robocop. We've had another Ninja Turtles. All these films are being remade, and there's still more and more 3D films being created, especially for, like, another continuation of that bloody 
Transformers <laughs> movie series. Can't believe we're up to was it five movies now? Almost five. Yeah, unfortunately, yeah. up yeah. to the fifth. Yeah. Five, and like they're still doing it in three D and all that stuff. But like, yeah, I mean that that's pretty accurate. They're still doing. We're still doing three D films. They're still doing um, sequels to films that we don't really need sequels. Yeah, very true. No, of course, this is one of like the the moments that I think of when I think of this movie. Marty stands there, and this three dimensional hologram of a shark descends upon him, and he just screams in terror until it bites down on him, and of course disappears. And uh, I like Marty saying the shark still looks fake. <laughs> yeah. As uh, as Marty turns around, he sees a hologram billboard advertisement for Goldie Wilson the Third hover conversions. As we've talked about Goldie Wilson and his family, and uh, we see here that a hover conversion kit costs thirty nine thousand. $999.95. Now, the closest thing we do have to hover conversion, obviously, flying cars do not exist, but there is a company in Massachusetts uh, named Terrafugia, which is working on a flying car called the Transition, and they hope to hit the market in the next decade. Uh, they don't hover, though. They have collapsible wings, and uh, they are equipped with propellers. So not quite the same, but uh, that's as close as you're going to get. In terms of uh, holographic billboards, we don't really have those either. Uh, we are seeing uh, with the uh, the cost effectiveness of LEDs, uh, the rise of those, as well as uh, you, you ever see those billboards? They have like panels that spin, so they can probably have three or four different messages that they can cycle through. Yeah, yeah, I've seen those. Yeah, yeah. my local Seven Eleven has those. Yeah, so that's I mean that's about as close as we get with those. So Marty then looks over and sees the Cafe 80s, and along the way he sees an antique store. And oh man, there's a ton here. Uh, I just wrote down a list of stuff we see in the window. Uh, we have an Apple Macintosh from 1984. We have a copy of Jaws the Video Game for the NES. A VHS copy of Jaws 2. Barbie and Ken dolls. Uh, vintage 1982 Perrier with the original water still in the bottle. I uh, know, <laughs> I don't know who would want that. Uh, a Black & Decker Dust Buster, circa 1988. A Black & Decker Clothes Iron with the note, It Heats Up. A, <laughs> a Magnavox Weekender Transistor Radio from the early 60s. Uh, as Hamish mentioned, a Talking Roger Rabbit doll from the movie Who Framed Roger Rabbit. A JVC Super VHS Video Camera, circa 1988. Uh, what looks to be a bust of JFK. Uh, the comedy album Trust Me by Hans Peterson doing the voice of Jimmy Carter. <laughs> a, a JVC television. JVC is everywhere in this movie. Uh, a copy of the game Burger Time. A lava lamp circa 1967. Some happy face stickers. And most importantly, in the center of the display, Gray's Sports Almanac 1950 to 2000. I mean, they were close. I mean, all that stuff is very reminiscent of uh, the 80s. But unfortunately, I think nowadays, if you look in uh, an antique shop, you, you probably would find a lot more um, uh, the updates of all those pieces of equipment. That's it. It's like everything these days is just an update of that. Yeah. I mean, you wouldn't have, I guess, Burger Time. You'd have something maybe like a copy of uh, GoldenEye 64, probably sitting in the in the front window, uh, a Sega Genesis. Uh, ooh, Dreamcast. That would be Oh, there. yeah. Mm. I still got mine. That was a... Really? What new games are you playing on? Oh, nothing new, but uh, I still have it. <laughs> uh, but that's the thing that you know. Um, that little gag is still pretty, uh, still pretty relevant now. But yeah, you just have to update everything there. But it's it's interesting that the future there it skips a lot of things in between. Like I'm surprised they didn't create a lot of I guess fake merchandise from like maybe the mid '90s. Yeah, I guess that was kind of their way of getting around it, as saying antique store. So. Everything, mm, but it still works. Yeah, everything current to that movie would be uh, a 30-year-old yeah. product, I guess, at least. Mm. 
I thought uh, there's one funny thing that there is a um, display of a denim jacket with a button on it. It's the same outfit that Mario wore in 1985 in the first movie. Oh, okay, cool. And it was in the it was concluded as a joke in the in this movie. Nice. I didn't notice that at all. Yep. So we then cut to Marty walking into the Cafe 80s as Michael Jackson's Beat It plays. And uh, inside we see that it's decorated with all kinds of stuff from the 80s. There's heads, literal heads of state mounted on the wall up above. There's Fidel Castro, Mikhail Gorbachev, Leonid Brezhnev, Ronald Reagan, and the Ayatollah Khomeini. Uh, We see a young lady at the counter being read items from the menu by an artificial Michael Jackson on a monitor. And it's kind of like in the style of Max Headroom, who was popular at the time. Yeah. Very strange. But, you know, automated restaurants and things like that. Yeah, I could see something like that being around. Kind of. But um, I think for itself, the actual cafe itself is actually still today something which would exist. Because we do have, like, the whole uh, retro hipster trend. Mm -hmm. The whole thing of like not letting go of the 80s, which is evident by this podcast of us talking about a film that came out <laughs> in the 80s. For you sure. Know, it, it's, it seems, yeah, it seems to be on top of that whole point of that we haven't been able to let go of a certain period of time, and that time is the 80s, which is true because you don't see stores which are, I guess, 90s stores, 90s cafes. Yeah, not yet. It's, it seems to be, yeah, it seems to be like specifically 80s. So anything 80s related, everyone's still into, even today. Yeah. So that that cafe makes perfect sense for it to still be around and be this kind of, uh, I guess, example of a bleeding walls of 80s culture and everything's very 80s to a very stereotypical point. Yeah. So that that's still relevant today. Yeah, for sure. In in Melbourne, we have a lot of different kind of cafes, and yeah, many of them are kind of reminiscent of the whole '80s culture. I think we got like three different video game related bars. Hmm. Oh wow, that's cool. Yeah. We got to go to Melbourne. That's right. It's yeah, it's trip. actually it's actually pretty good. We got three different ones, um, which people still use, and it still has a kind of uh, '80s vibe about it. Very cool. Now, as another monitor heads towards two people at a booth to take their order, we also see some people that are eating while they're on, like, these exercise bike-type devices. Yeah. That's That's not really something we have today. It'll be pretty cool, though. I think it's a good idea. Should be implemented. (laughs) We also see a Pac-Man arcade game cabinet, which is kind of strange because it has the warning, priceless artifact do not touch. (laughs) Which is strange. Well, then don't have it out in the middle of your restaurant. Yeah, yeah, well. Hmm. But those cabinets, those original cabinets, are pretty pricey. Not priceless. They are not priceless artifacts, mm. but they will cost you some money. Uh, another monitor approaches Marty and welcomes him uh, to the Cafe 80s as Ronald Reagan. And uh, as he's reading the, the menu items, the Ayatollah Khomeini comes in and tries to like argue against Reagan and have Marty order one of the specials from him. And Marty kind of just quiets them both and tells him that he just wants a Pepsi. And out of the center of the table pops up a canister, and inside is a sleek bottle of Pepsi Perfect. Yes. I think if you look at some of the other items and menu items that aren't so evident, they're actually pretty funny. Basically just throwing random 80s words together. Oh, really? Yeah, like one of the items is the Gorbachev Goulash Rambo. <laughs> the Fawn Hawn Slice Ollie North Platter. Uh, the Reagan Scramble Salad. Princess Die Spud Cake. <laughs> my, one of my favorites, the Paul D. Pope John Paul II. And of course, we hear about the hostage special that the uh, Kamini was trying to sell to, to Marty. No. 
Now, uh, Pepsi Perfect, uh, Pepsi has recently announced the launch of Pepsi Perfect in a very limited release. Only 6,500 bottles of these will be sold exclusively through the Pepsi website. And uh, currently, they have temporarily changed their logo to match that futuristic logo we see in the movie, which yeah. is pretty cool. Which is kind of, I wish they would do this more widespread and, and kind of make this more of an event instead of, the, you know, 6,500 yeah, um, I was hoping to see those in stores, you know? Yeah, that'd be kind of cool. Oh, uh, it would be interesting. I mean, and I, guess, I guess I can understand where, like, you know, the cost and how much supply you have to get around and how reassuring you are that people are actually going to buy your product. Like, if it was Coke doing it, yeah, Coke could probably do it on a mass scale. But with Pepsi, it's like, eh, we're still kind of iffy about it. But what I noticed about it is that the bottle isn't exactly the same as one in the movie. It's like, it looks like the bottle in the top, like, it's just a cap. It's like a fancy mm-hmm. cap. But in the movie, there actually is, a, I think, a built-in straw. Yes. If yes. you look back at the house and the daughter is drinking out of it, yeah, it looks like there's a built-in little tab for a straw to drink out of. So, you know, they're close, but so close. No cigar. Yeah. It's just a fancy bottle, people. <laughs> and uh, I can only imagine how much it'll cost, too. Yeah. Pepsi Perfect was supposed to be vitamin-infused. That was the whole selling point of it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. <laughs> whereas the, the Pepsi that is in... The current Pepsi that's being sold on a limited basis by Pepsi is actually just a Pepsi with real sugar. So, not quite vitamin <laughs> infused, but, you know. Sucrose. Yeah, I think. Sucrose infused. Yeah, close. <laughs> close. I think it's close. I mean, you know, I don't go to drink a Coke because of vitamins. I go to drink it because I need um, a quick boost. Yep. Or I'm just a lazy slob and I really can't go to a tap and get a glass of water. So, <laughs> you know. But one day, I think that trend of vitamins into water, though is actually a thing that's come along. I mean, look at, was it vitamin water? That's an easy yeah. one. Um, vitamin water, and you look at Gatorade and things like that, they're trying to put like different minerals and vitamins and electrolytes into your drink, you know, to make it even more appealing, even though it's just literally just sugar. Yeah, and I don't yeah. know if they sell it in mm. Australia, but that Coke Life with the green label? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we have that. We have Coke Life and um, the alternative Pepsi. Oh, what's Pepsi had a version of Oh, yeah, yeah. I forget what it's called, though. Uh, green, whatever it is Pepsi Future. Soylent green. Know. It's 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 yeah. <laughs> Wait, that's why it's green. Oh my oh. god. Um, but no, that's the thing. It's like yeah, they're doing the same thing here. We got Coke Life and Pepsi, the other yeah. one. And I've had that Coke Life, and it tastes like crap. So, FYI, just my official review. <laughs> well, forget them as a sponsor now. <laughs> that's right. Now behind Marty during the scene, we see uh, the logo for the uh, Statler Pontiac. Uh, that the the dealership that exists back there. Uh, General Motors, though, announced the end of their Pontiac line in 2009, and they completely ended production by the end of 2010. So no more Pontiacs in 2015. That's another prediction they got wrong. But uh, Statler, the Statlers have uh, a history in Back to the Future of having a car dealership, right, Sean? Yes. Actually, they owned a horse dealership back in 1885. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> and their 1955 dealership was Studebaker, uh, 1985 was Toyota, um, and of course, 2015 was apparently Pontiac. So, hmm. so now Marty is then recognized by Biff Tannen, who's sitting there. He's now an old man, and he goes on and on about what a loser Marty McFly is in the future. And we see that uh, Griff Tannen and his gang are getting out of their car outside, and uh, Griff gives his uh, grandfather Biff a hard time about not applying wax correctly, and drags him out of the cafe. At this time, Marty walks over to the video game Wild Gunman and shows two kids how to play. And uh, the kids are not impressed, saying, you have to use your hands? That's like a baby's toy. Hmm. It's interesting because nowadays there are a lot of video games where you don't need to use a controller. 
you know, Elijah Wood was really disappointed that he had to use his hands <laughs> yes. in that movie. <laughs> yes, Elijah Wood, one of those one of those children there, which is pretty funny. Yeah, it's, it's interesting to see him there, and then you see him like in Lord of the Rings, and it's like, wow, he is just a big nerd. <laughs> It's like he can't get out of that kind of culture. It's like, oh, you're in the Back to the Future. Oh, you're in Lord of the Rings. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, that's true. That whole, he's disappointed he has to use his hands, which is true because we're doing a lot, there's a lot more um, things out there these days where it's just all basically, was it uh, Xbox Connect, yeah, Connect yeah. Yeah. has that whole thing. Yeah. You basically just stand there and wave your hands around like an idiot. Uh, <laughs> The Wii, in a way, I guess, had the same sort of motion controller. We have using a lot more motion-based yeah. technology yeah. these days. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they're on top of it like that. I mean, in a very subtle way. Wild Gunman, of course, alluding to uh, what we'll see mm. in the third movie. And there's a lot of that. Looking back and watching this for the podcast, I'm like, oh, wow, this directly ties into the next movie. That's so great. Yeah. So just as these kids now walk away, the real Marty McFly Jr. enters the cafe and Marty hides. And, and Marty's sitting on the floor behind the counter as Griff's gang chastises Marty Jr. And uh, Marty's just sitting there saying to himself, you know, he's a complete wimp. I, I'm very impressed just going, not talking about technology so much, but about Griff's gang, that they finally broken the glass ceiling here and have a female gang member. Yeah, in that's 2015. true. <laughs> and this young lady is amazing. Her name is uh, Leslie Spike O'Malley. <laughs> That's her, her true full name. She was yep. born in 1997, 18 years old at this point. And she has the best line in this movie, in my personal opinion, where she kind of is seductive to Marty with her nails. Yeah, long nails. And it says, what's wrong with Fly? You got no screw? <laughs> <laughs> so. And picks him up with one arm, pretty yes. much. Yeah, she's... Probably has some bionics going on herself there. Yes. My, one of my favorite gang members in all three movies, I gotta say. And one of my favorite characters in this film as well. Very, very funny. Really? Really? She's a better gang member than Billy Zane? Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> yes. I gotta say so. She, out, she outshines ah, come Billy on. Zane. I liked future Billy Zane, you know, when he's like the uh, cowboy hick. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The alternative future, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The fat cowboy hick type. That was great. Pretty funny. Oh, kind of a take on uh, Elvis Presley's uh, right-hand man there. I forget what he was called. Yeah. The Colonel or something. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one thing is you'll notice that Marty and Marty Jr. do look slightly different. And uh, I couldn't really figure out what they did. And I, looking again, I see that Marty Jr. has brown eyes. While Michael J. Fox, Marty Sr., the, the young Marty Sr. has blue eyes. Hmm. And that's why they, they kind of look a little off. So Marty Jr. is now thrown over the counter and conveniently knocked out. Marty takes his hat and stands up, pretending to be his future son. And uh, now Griff is surprised that this, this Marty now has a little more confidence. And uh, Marty tells him, you know, no to his proposition. And uh, Marty's just about to walk away. He finished his mission. But Griff asks if he is chicken, and of course that always stops Marty in his tracks. And uh, Data, which is one of uh, Griff's more cybernetic uh, gang members here, plays the sound of a chicken on his computerized breastplate. It's pretty funny. Of course, we don't really have those currently, but I guess the closest thing is like a soundboard on an iPad app, maybe? Yeah. Yeah, but it doesn't look as, not, not as dramatic as that guy. No, not at all. It's funny he had that sound pre-programmed into his thing, too, so. <laughs> they must use it a lot. Yeah, was he? Yeah. Yeah, he pulls like a pulls out like a, a tab or something on his suit or something. Yeah, yeah and he presses a button for doing it, and then yeah, it's like it's 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 specifically for that one comment. <laughs> he's, he was he's been ready for a long time to deliver that, <laughs> or it's just something that time and time again they know whenever Marty they want to get Marty Junior involved in something they just press that and that'll get him to uh, say yes. 
But uh, Griff is holding a Kirk Gibson Jr. Slugger 2000 behind his back, and it's some sort of extendable baseball bat. We can assume that maybe this is what the pros use at this time. What's funny about that is, uh, well, just to give you a background, Kirk Gibson was the hero of the 1988 World Series. He he came off the bench with injured legs as a pinch hitter in, in Game 1 of that series, and he hit a game-winning home run off of the now Hall of Fame closer Dennis Eckersley. I, I, I believe that was where you get the famous call, I can't believe what I just saw. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the Dodgers went on to win the series four games to one. Uh, what's interesting here is Kirk Gibson does have a son, and his name is Kirk Gibson Jr., who right now is about 28 years old, and he's he's not a pro baseball player, however. Yeah, but it's just so yeah. so funny that it was so accurate up to there, you know? Yeah. So Griff takes a swing with this bat, hits a monitor, and, and Marty and Griff square off, but Griff, does he grow in size? I, I'm not really yeah. sure. Yeah, again, I think it's referencing his bionics that he can kind of... Yeah, you know, go up a little bit, make himself taller. Yeah, and smarter because when uh, uh, Marty tries the same trick he tried on Biff, you know, the look over there trick, he doesn't fall for it. Oh, okay. Um, mm. Where Biff, you know, cl- uh, stupidly looked over where he was pointing, and he punched him in the face. And gr- I see, he grabs his hand Griff, or something. Griff, when he tries, when Marty tries to punch him, he grabs his hands. Um, so the bionics mm. do improve intelligence a bit, but then he's able to thwart them anyway. So. Yeah, so we see that the bionics are in other areas as well, because uh, Marty kicks him in the groin with a clang and uh, runs outside. (laughs) Now, outside the Cafe 80s, Marty spots two little girls riding on their Mattel hoverboards. And uh, just kind of like reminiscent of the first movie, he tells one that he needs to borrow her hoverboard. And uh, he pulls the handlebars off of it, and he tries to hover away as, as Griff and his gang give chase. Now, uh, let's talk a little bit about the hoverboard, and Hamish, you are a proud owner of one. Oh, yeah, it's it's pretty good. <laughs> you know, it uh, involves maybe like 38D batteries, Yeah, yeah. you know, just to get it off the ground. Yeah, it's a, a nice piece of kit. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. But seriously, you did, I make, wish, I wish you did make one, though. Yeah, I did make one. I, I had uh, some time on my hands, and I created one out of uh, basically just cardboard. <laughs> It's it's one creative cardboard and um, a coffee cup basically because what you can do is you balance the coffee cup uh, underneath it and then you shoot it from a different mm-hmm. angle and it works pretty well. I mean, uh, the only other thing is like if you do try to stand on it, you will break it, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> uh, and the fact is that yeah, you you have to kind of use a little bit of trickery <laughs> just to get people to go, oh wow, it's actually flying because you can move it around on top of an upside down coffee uh-huh. cup uh, and it looks like it's floating and you can tap it to get it kind of wobbling uh but beyond that yeah i, I really wish show real <laughs> but it, it's actually yeah it was pretty um interesting just building it just because i thought yeah i wonder if i could and you took video of uh, it too and is that on your tumblr currently um oh, i can post it up and you'll see it basically yeah it's a lot of real filming it's no trickery it's all real no uh it's it's all <laughs> fake with a sound effect put on top of it i mean i really wish it was real. <laughs> but it is cool and i really wish i really wish i was selling this better but um yeah it, it's 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 fun because that's the thing with those hoverboards when i was a kid and i saw that film i mean you know you'll think that this stuff exists and it's um uh, i guess and uh, something which seems achievable because yeah you look at skateboards you're like oh it's wheels on a board mm-hmm easy uh but when you see something like that you think oh my god this would be so cool and everybody's about it. everyone loves that imagination because you look at certain things like 
when you're a kid and you piece together certain ideas like you know oh if i put two magnets together they hover or i've seen a hovercraft do it it can probably be done with a board yeah but um yeah i i put it together because yeah i'm also a huge fan of that film uh and i thought yeah i could give it a shot but yeah that's the thing it comes down to the imagination that film and how it's still uh, applicable to today i mean you know everyone gets excited about the hoverboard because it seems like such a simple idea that you can piece something together and just uh sell it in the marketplace especially for the fact that i think when that movie came out they actually for a little time like a couple of months after the movie came out said that the hoverboard was real yeah yeah yes. yeah because they kept yeah they kept getting letters from fans <laughs> and everybody else going like oh how can we get this how, how can we make get this is it real are you going to sell it and mattel got a bunch of letters and they kept them was it um keeping up with the act saying oh we can't sell it to the consumer just yet but you know maybe give it a couple of years <laughs> in you know 30 or so years you can have it on the market which is funny because I just love how the imagination went wild. But yes, I do own a faux flying piece of cardboard. And the videos look great, though. It's really yeah, it's cool. Very people cool. should check it out. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll post it up online uh, again just so people yeah, can please. see it. And there have been some companies recently that have come out with hoverboards. I'm doing air quotes right now. Yes, yes. Um, <laughs> very rudimentary type of hovering board that you can skateboard on. But nothing like we see in this film, you know, obviously, that can hover mm. over any surface, basically, except water. You know, and actually the board was hovering on the water, it just wasn't moving. One thing I like about this scene, um, as he takes the little girl's hoverboard, looks like she has a CD player on her head. One thing I noticed. Oh. Um, <laughs> and uh, I, one of these things, watching it this time, after watching this movie probably 30 times in the past 30 years, or 25 years, there's a scene when the gang is going for their hoverboards... And they say, oh, he's on the... They, Data says, he's on the hoverboard. And they're getting their hoverboards out of the car. Again, going back to my favorite gang member, Leslie. Spike, I should call her, actually, by her gang name. I always thought that she said, give me mine. That's what it sounds like. Like mm-hmm. when he says, "Give you know, get, get the hoverboards. The subtitles in this movie actually show that she's saying, get McFly. Believe, oh, okay. Believe it or not, so I was I was shocked to see that when I watched it with the subtitles this, the last time around. I never noticed that before. Huh? Where she's actually not because it sounded like she had a kind of like a, a Brooklyn type accent saying "Give me, give me mine," you know, or something like that. Mm-hmm. But it's get McFly, so little information there. Interesting. Uh, as far as like we were talking about real life hoverboards, the closest thing we have uh, recently, there's been uh, the Skyboard, which is kind of like a board with two wheels uh one one at each end that are kind of like positioned mm-hmm. perpendicular to the the length of the board uh kind of strange not uh, really a hoverboard it's a thing i keep seeing a lot on vine yes yeah it's a, i don't know where people are getting their hands on these things but they're around but i guess you can glide on them in a sense uh on october 21st 2014 there was a company called hendo and they announced that they've been working on the prototype of a hoverboard, which actually can only hover about one inch. Uh, it uses hover technology developed by a company called ArxPax, and it uses magnetic fields and specially lined copper floors. Uh, it's it's the kind of like the technology used for like bullet trains to keep them from actually touching their tracks, but just kind of on a smaller scale. Yeah, so I guess if you gave to this Kickstarter $10,000, you will be receiving this on Wednesday. Uh, Lexus also worked on one. There's a YouTube video. Uh, it's It uses liquid nitrogen, which is a little better, more effective, <laughs> and uh, really cool. So I, I, I suggest you go check that out. So Marty uses his old trick. He grabs on the back of a Jeep, 
Uh, Griff swings at him a couple times. He actually hits his uh, BMW 633CSI, which he drives. Uh, that's uh, a coupe that ended production in 1989, but Griff could just be, you know, driving a classic car at this point. And uh, Marty, as Sean mentioned, goes over a sleek kind of ramp-like car into the water. He notices he can't go any further. And this is where we see the pit bull. And again, I don't understand why hoverboards don't necessarily work on water. I mean, it's, it's obviously hovering. Yeah. It just, I guess, doesn't propel. Even if you push on the water, it's not going to go anywhere, so... Yeah, imagine um, if you hit a puddle or something, you'd be flying be, off the thing. Yeah, that's, that's like gravel to the hoverboard. Yeah. But then we see the pit bull come into use, which is Griff's uh, hoverboard with the uh, external jets on it. And this is a very funny scene. We uh, we could see that you know Biff takes a swing at Marty. Marty wisely jumps into the water before you know Biff as he takes a swing, and they go careening into the uh, the courthouse. Actually, the, some of the stunt people that were extremely hurt during that that stunt. Really? About yeah, especially the one who played you know Spikes, the girl's character, was very hurt. You could see her body like hitting the side of the wall as she goes through the window. Mm. But one thing, it's not really a technology thing about this scene, which I found interesting, is Marty falls into the water, into the pond. Now you would think to get out of the pond, he would go to the side <laughs> of the pond and crawl out. He actually, you see it in the next scene, coming out of the underground mall entrance. Yeah. So yeah. apparently there's some kind of access between the bottom of the pond and the mall for him to get out. Uh, it's kind of like you could see where the, the scene cut and there was obviously, you know, a faux pas by somebody who said, oh, just come up those stairs. It's fine. You know, that's where you're coming from. Yeah, it's very strange. So as Sean said, after all this took place, Biff and his gang, they smash through the front of the courthouse. Marty gets out of there, and uh, he's stopped by Terry, and we talked about using that portable thumb unit to, to try to uh, collect funds from him. Uh, as Marty refuses, we see a holographic sports flash that announces that the Cubs won the World Series, sweeping Miami. Uh, Terry remarks, oh, wow, that was a 100-to-1 shot. I wish I had the money. I could go back to the beginning of the season and, and uh, put some money on the Cubs. Yeah. Uh, what's interesting here is... The Cubs winning the World Series. They they still have not won the World Series. It's been since 1908, the, the longest drought in Major League Baseball. Uh, what's interesting this year is that the Cubs are currently in the playoffs. Uh, they are currently in the second round, the round before the World Series, called the National League Championship Series. Uh, as we record this, last night they lost Game 1 to the Mets. Uh, th there actually is a team now called the uh, Miami Marlins. At the time of this movie, Florida did not have any baseball team, but they became an expansion team in 1993 and in 2012 renamed themselves the Miami Marlins. They, they are also in the National League, so it, it would not be possible for the Cubs to beat Miami in the World Series. Yeah, I, I'm really rooting for the Cubs to win the World Series. Oh, they got to this year. It'd be so great. Just so it, this, this becomes uh, history and is fulfilled, because that would be awesome. <laughs> so just because a movie predicted it you yes, want it to actually yes, come that's real. very true it would be really funny if it happened <laughs> it would be so awesome and of course the timing is off for the World Series I think it was due to some kind mm. of uh, divisional play or something that they changed in the late, late 80s early 90s you know basically the World Series is scheduled to end no later than I think November 4th or something like that yeah, there's also um, a wild card playoff game that extends it as well. Yeah, so that's why it's a little bit off. In the no Usually it would be in October and be done, but they extended it. Uh, that's yeah. why it's going a bit later this time. 
yeah, just one thing we missed too was the coat. We didn't talk about his uh, auto-adjusting drying coat. Yes, yes. Which is, again, we saw the auto-adjustment back in the alley where he hits a tab on his coat and it basically measures to his size and does the whole little size-adjusting. I like that voice. Size-adjusting. Fit. <laughs> you think if it was that advanced of a coat, they would kind of put more personality in it. But And then when he comes out of the pond, he also, the button is blinking and he hits it uh, near the zipper and it puffs up, auto-dry, and does the whole drying, drying complete, you know. Your jacket mm-hmm. is now dry. If you look at the behind-the-scenes footage and how they actually did this, it was extremely complicated. They had hoses going to the back of the coat to make that oh, air-puffing wow. thing. It was not an easy prop to make. But, you know, it fulfilled its intended use. And I guess there is some modern-day equivalence to clothing with different types of chips, microchips in it. Mm-hmm. Um, I've heard of one that you could put in it. Actually, the clothing will set the washer using RFID or something to, to tell it how to wash the clothes. So they're making clothing that is more intelligent, I guess you can say, but nothing, again, to this level. This is way beyond anything we have right now. So, of course, Marty gets this idea from Terry about, you know, if I could go back in time and, and, and bet at the beginning of the season, I'd make a ton of money. And Marty remembers seeing Gray's Almanac. So we cut to Marty purchasing that Almanac. And uh, the lady at the store remarks that this is uh, kind of uh, an interesting feature, that it has a, 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 a dust jacket. This was before dust-repellent paper. Of course, that's uh, an innovation that doesn't exist, although they are working on some sort of dust-repellent coatings for different materials. So maybe maybe someday, not really uh, an urgent need to get the uh, the dust off your paper. Oh, there was that um, stain-resisting liquid. Was it? It's like a spray you can put on things. And they also made a fabric which also repels water and liquids hmm. as well. They tried it out, and basically the rule was like, this shit works, it's great. But after like one wash, it's useless. Because oh. <laughs> <laughs> there's also this stuff like you can spray on your shoes to stop any kind of uh, liquid getting on top of them. Like, you know, they had a white pair of shoes, they had two pairs of shoes a white pair another white pair and they sprayed one of them with this resisting uh liquid and yeah they poured like goop onto it and just came right off and the shoe's completely fine but the other shoes are completely covered in this uh black tar mess <laughs> but yeah that that sort of stuff actually kind of exists in in a pseudo yeah, yeah. way but for clothing it's not it's not perfect at the moment but um yeah it does exist there are videos you can find online about them now, behind Marty on the wall of the store, we also see the flat cat and instant infant. And I'm like, are these innovations of the future? And just looking, they they were novelties. Like, you kind of give somebody a pet that you don't have to take care of. It's a cardboard cutout of a cat called a flat cat. Or if you want a baby that you don't need to change its diapers, it's just called an <coughs> instant infant. And it's a cardboard cutout. And uh, as far as my research told me, it, they are cr- novelties created by the Massachusetts-based company Blue Q in the late 1980s. So that's what those were. Uh, so we cut outside as Marty now stashes his purchase in the bag. And we, f- we see later on that the receipt is translucent blue, which was kind of a, a weird thing, a replacement for paper. Not really something we see today, but one of our local copy centers had translucent green plastic business cards. That's what it reminded me of. Hmm. So it is possible to print on a surface like that uh, for a relatively cheap cost, but really not a good replacement for paper. So now Doc finds Marty, and just as the two are about to leave, uh, Biff notices that they have a flying DeLorean. It's something that he's not seen for many years. And just then, Marty Jr. runs out of the cafe and kind of bumps into him. And so Biff now realizes that the Marty he's seeing is the one that he remembers from the past. 
Uh, at this time, Doc's copy of the USA Today changes to say, Gang jailed, hoverboard rampage destroys courthouse. So as Doc uses his binoculars to see Griff and his gang get arrested, we also see a USA Today hover cam photographing the action. This big cumbersome floating camera, pretty funny. Which, you know, I thought about this, and I'm thinking that's, you know, again, it's totally unrealistic, but if you think about it, we have drones now that take news footage and, you know, different camera options besides just traditional person-mounted cameras, was what I'm trying Mm -hmm. to say. So not too far out of reality that they could have, you know, right now we have a a drone or something that could be taking footage that could be broadcast to a studio or, or to a paper. Especially for still pictures, it's not really a big, that big of a deal. Sure. And I mean, we see these drones in sports games. I mean, football uses them like crazy now. Yeah. So there is some basis in that, and that, that's a prediction that was pretty accurate. Not that uh, USA Today is going to send them out as a journalist or anything. I also wanted to make one more mention about the whole Terry part we talked about a minute ago. Oh, please, yeah. There was a deleted scene. It's actually one of the first deleted scenes in Back to the Future 2. It's on YouTube if you want to look it up. But it has Terry interacting with uh, Biff, old Biff, of course, Mm -hmm. talking about the manure accident in 1955, which is alluded to later in this movie when you see young Terry, who, believe it or not, is the auto mechanic who fixes Biff's car in 1955. Mm -hmm. So just a little scene between them and basically Terry saying that, you know, he was cheated by Biff 60 years ago, and Biff basically telling him to, you know, let it go, it's, you know, 60 years ago. Um, <laughs> you can kind of see why they cut it out, because it kind of alludes to something they want to, you know, talk about later on in the film. But just an interesting little interaction, and, and kind of putting the background of Terry, I don't think a lot of people realize that he's actually the same guy, you know, 60 years earlier, who was in his 20s uh, as the auto mechanic. Also, also that guy is the voice of Roger yes, Rabbit he was. as well. Yep. Yeah. Or is. Yeah. Which is strange for that joke for having the Roger Rabbit toy in the shop and also having the voice actor who's just outside the shop. So, hmm, yes. yeah. Mm-hmm. So the USA Today changes. Doc is pleased that history was successfully altered. Of course, not the way he first saw, but, you know, good enough for him. And he suggests that now they get Jennifer and they leave. And uh, as they get ready to leave, Marty accidentally drops the sports almanac and Doc gives him a lecture about not using time travel for financial gain. And uh, Doc runs over to a robotic trash can called a litter bug to throw away the almanac. And uh, as he does, he notices the police picking up the still unconscious Jennifer from the alley. Yeah, they, they make some interesting references. They do a thumb scan on her, basically say she's 46. Make the make the reference again to plastic surgery that she looks really good for a forty six year old and had a really good facelift lift. Forty seven on oh, uh, not to correct you. Oh, forty seven. I'm sorry. These police officers are actually named Reese and Foley, hmm. um, which is references to other you know law enforcement pairs. Um, hmm. Again, they're the same police officers that are arresting uh, Martin McFly Jr. in the newspaper and also appear many times throughout the film. And different location shots. And uh, that that device that they use to identify her, uh, it's called an identipad. And of course, this is not something that we see in the current form today and that we see in the movie. But, uh, you know, like you said, biometrics becoming way more common in devices today, such as fingerprint scanners. Uh, I mean, even to unlock smartphones, you know, or uh, laptops, you you use your thumb or your fingerprint. And uh, yeah, so, I mean, really, really close. To, uh, to what we see in this yeah. movie. 
Yeah, and it, there's also the first mention of Hilldale, I believe. Basically, that's where she was... They had to bring her home, and even the police not wanting to go to Hilldale after dark. So we get kind of an idea of what kind of neighborhood the, the McFlys have, are living in in 2015. And I don't think Marty has referenced it yet, Hilldale, has he? I don't believe no. so. It wasn't referenced anywhere in the first movie, but basically we're led to believe, and we'll talk about this later on, that Hilldale is, in 1985, a brand new modern community or neighborhood. Mm-hmm. 2015, not so much. We, we kind of get the sense that it's a very drug-infested neighborhood by yeah. the uh, the slang terms that they use. Uh, a lot of zip heads, I think, live there. And uh, what, what else does she say? Tranks? Tranks, yeah. Tranks, zip heads. Uh, Lobos, I believe, is another Lobos, one. Lobos, yeah. Reference to, I think, lobotomies, right? Yeah. And okay. Mario McFly Jr., when he leaves the Cafe 80s, we see him actually right before this scene when Biff notices that there's two of them. Um, after he, he recognizes uh, the DeLorean as a car he saw 30 years before. Mm-hmm. Marty McFly almost get, Jr. almost gets hit by a car, um, which I think is like a Ford Probe or something. <laughs> and uh, he ref- he calls the driver, you know, don't drive, Trank, um, Scuzzball, Ziphead, and um, something else he calls him too. Um, Lil Rez. That's yeah, Lil Rez. That, that was pretty <laughs> funny. So I'm using his modern technological terms. A term we um, use today, Lil Rez, sure. Yeah, yep. As a negative thing. So, um, Doc, you know, is very alarmed by this fact that they're carrying her away. He, uh, theorizes that Jennifer might encounter her future self, and cr- that would create a- this destructive time paradox. So he throws away the almanac, and he leaves. However, this whole conversation was being overheard by Biff, and, uh, he decides that he will be using the almanac in the way that, uh, he had just heard. Uh, what- one other thing is the litter bug. Uh, that's one thing we don't have is little talking trash cans, but I, I kind of wish we did. Yeah, I think that's the best event we've seen so far, to be honest with you. <laughs> I would love to see those things around the streets, just opening. I like the little swinging motion of the, of the lid where it kind yeah, of yeah. Sli- slides mm. open and then closes. That's the best thing ever. <laughs> and this is also where we see the more detailed view of the Sir Vietnam poster mm-hmm. uh, in this alleyway from this angle, at least. And how much could have been avoided if Doc would have just put the almanac in the leather bug instead of throwing it on top of the trash pile? Yeah. The whole mm. the whole future, unless, you know, Biff went knocking over a leather bug and trying to gut it to get the thing out. There wasn't much you could do at that point, but we could see what really happened and how it continues. Yes, and, and it will continue. Unfortunately, we have to stop the episode here. There was just so much to cover. Uh, so that that draws a conclusion to the Hill Valley scenes as the movie now brings us to Jennifer being dropped off in Hilldale. So that'll pretty much do it for this episode of Hitting Play. Part 2 will be coming very soon, so stay tuned for that. As always, you can email us with your comments, suggestions, maybe some details that we missed, whatever you got for us at hittingplayshow at gmail.com, or you can talk to us at Hitting Play. Now, Hamish, do you have any plugs? Uh, no, I have no plugs in my body. I'm not a robot or a cyborg. <laughs> oh, wait, you mean plugs? Whatever you things? got. Oh, no, uh, uh, basically you can just find me on, you know, Twitter, uh, at Silent Hamish, Instagram Silent Hamish, or find me on Facebook talking to the webpage Just Snags for random comments. Very good. Yeah, yeah, I, I noticed that. That's a sausage company? Oh, uh, it's... Not a company as such, just if you have questions about snags or just snag-related ideas or things like that, just give them a 
<laughs> give them a bell and they'll answer it the best sna- they can. What are snags? As long as it's snags for like snags. Oh, it's just a okay. term for sausage. All right, so here in Australia, like yeah, having a sausage bread. <laughs> I will be. <laughs> that's that's basically. I will be taking advantage of that very soon. Now I know I have, it exists. Hey, check them out on Facebook. Yes. Yeah, check them out on Facebook. They'll answer your question pretty quickly, and whatever you ask them, they'll answer it. That is the strangest plug I think we've ever had on this <laughs> yes, show. Yes, yes. Uh, I, I, I will say uh, on your behalf, please follow Silent yeah. Hamish on Vine and check out his Vines and follow him. He, he should be making a, a small living working just exclusively on, on his Vines, which are great. So please check him out. Yeah, I'm on Vine, Instagram, on the uh, Tumblers. Uh, there's a Facebook page you can find me on. Was it Silent Hamish Art? on Facebook. So yeah, you can find me all over the place. Very good. Sean, you got anything? I, I do have one quick thing, actually. I found a YouTube channel, which I wanted to plug because they're really, really cool. I'm looking at the channel right now. The official name of it is. It's a, a husband and wife team that do um, video gaming videos, specifically Minecraft videos. The channel is called Popular MMOs. It's the name of the channel. Popular in MMOs. Very, very funny. Again, it's the first time I've ever seen a husband and wife do all these different maps and, and Minecraft mods and sort of things. So it's it's really quite humorous and, and really a good watch. So recommend you check them out. You're going to be uh, making videos with your wife playing Minecraft? Uh, never. No, no. Unfortunately, <laughs> I, it's a dream of mine, but she's not a fan of Minecraft. So uh, not going to happen. Someday you'll win her over. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Keep dreaming. I am on Twitter. My name there is MC and Friends. You can follow me there. I am also on Vine. There, my name is also MC and Friends, and there I do humorous little cartoons and flip page animation. You can check me out there. Uh, if you listen to us on iTunes, please subscribe and leave us a five-star review. It it definitely helps us out, and if you do, you will get a shout-out on the show, and those are something that we try to be really creative with. For Android users, we are also available to stream and or download on Stitcher, and we are now on TuneIn Radio, so there's many ways you can find us, so please do. So that concludes part one of this analysis of our 2015 scenes, so we will be continued in part two, where we look exclusively at Hilldale and the McFly household and see how those predictions hold up to today's standards. Well, we have been Hamish, Sean, and Scott, And this has been Hitting Play. Thank you so much for listening. Good night. We'll see you in the future. Word. (laughs) We, uh, this week, in honor to... uh, Oh boy, I can't even talk. I couldn't even say Melbourne if you noticed at the beginning. Melbourne. 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 This is the best part of the track so far. I know. (laughs) Uh, We can put this at the end.